feel like I need to adjust my my uh, mood my mood lighting here. <laughs> no, not. I actually have the light on. Usually I turn the lights off, but I'm like, I'm going to be different today and actually have lights on. We'll see. I might at some point go, ah, then get up and turn the lights off. Who knows? All right, guys. So we don't really know each other <laughs> at yeah, all. I, I was going to tell you a funny, a really funny story to begin about Arizona. Um, okay. Because Jorah, Jor, I guess I can blame Monica for she told us it was going to start an hour ago, so we were just sitting here waiting. But <laughs> I was remembering. I know that I would have started it earlier. It's, no it's all right. It's all right. Um, we were in we were in Sedona to see Steve Roach perform a few years ago. Oh, cool. And and I didn't know that Arizona doesn't observe daylight savings time, so we thought we had done the math and like figured out what time things were supposed to happen and like. Everything was fine, but then in the morning at our hotel, we were going to get the free breakfast, and it was supposed to start at 7 o'clock, but we didn't know that <laughs> in Arizona, it was only 6 o'clock, and we thought we'd done the math and everything, so we went to the yeah. front desk, and we, we couldn't see any breakfast out, so we went up to the guy at the desk, and we asked him, like, can you tell us where the breakfast is, and he was just like comic book guy from, comic book guy from The Simpsons, he was like, breakfast <laughs> is in the breakfast area at 7 o'clock, and, and we were like, Oh, okay. Well, we didn't know that you guys don't celebrate daylight savings time. So it was, it was just, that was a funny Arizona time story that I thought of. So. Yeah, it's, it's weird because we got, we, what, we switch back and forth between mountain and Pacific, I think. <clears throat> so sometimes like Ohio, sometimes we're three hours different, sometimes we're two hours different, depending on the time of the year. Right now we're on California time. So I don't pay any attention to it anymore because it's irrelevant to me. You're confusing. We yeah. yeah, we don't have to do it, but it is it is confusing. So when you are trying to like set up actual conversations with people in other parts of the country, I'm like, yeah, I don't know what time we are. <laughs> I don't know. We have to look <laughs> it up. So yeah, it's kind of a pain in the butt yeah. as far as that goes. So, but. so Tara, um, I can't sit down to, to speak with Tara Van Flower and not have some Lycia questions. So I hope that I hope that you'll indulge me. These are softball questions. This is not any. <laughs> hey man, you can go hard hitting. You never know what I might tell you. This, this is not this is not sixty minutes or anything. It's just a few things I want to ask you since I have you on the phone here. So first, let me just say it's it's an honor to meet you. I've listened to you guys meet for many years. I I listened to uh, Wake cold, Estrella, and burning circle, and then dust so many times, you should probably get a restraining order against me. <laughs> um, I had a Lycia bumper sticker on my car. I don't know if they ever made those or if I just made it myself, but I had one. So, um, they, so they had, were around at one point. <laughs> yeah, there was this time when, like, I, I mean, you know better than me, but it was like the, I discovered you on, the, on those project record samplers that would come out. Mm -hmm. And that's how I discovered Steve Roach and a bunch of other good stuff. And it was like, you, you just saw, if you saw the project label, you knew you, it was probably going to be good. I mean, there, there were a couple that maybe weren't, but for the most part, it, it was on that label it was always really good. So that's, that's how I discovered you guys. But, um, so I'm going to ask you, um, a friend of mine told me to ask you this, so I'm going to ask you, you for the cold album, are you ever going to reissue the LP? version of the cold album um probably 
like on the vinyl, like the vinyl version, like he's he's told me twice to ask you this, so I wanted to ask. Yeah, so I I would say that there is a strong possibility that that's going to happen. Yeah. Okay. It's a it's a classic album. I mean, it's it definitely is a really good one. So, um, the wake. I guess that was maybe the first album. Is that ever gonna? Are you ever gonna remaster that one, or is that one like what? Any plans on that one? So, it's as good as that's gonna get. Um, Mike, the original tapes of that are like gone. They're so deteriorated that um, there's really nothing Mike could do with them. And then this was kind of what happened where um, Mike's mom passed away in the 90s and his stepfather lives, lived in, in Arizona and decided to move back to Michigan where he's from. So when he moved, he brought Mike this huge box of cassettes that his mother had collected, never played them. And it was like this gift from his mom from, you know, beyond because she had this copy of Wake that had never been played. So he was able to get um, good audio off of that. And that's what he used when um, Circle Social put out the Wake um, album a couple years ago. So I don't see him uh, remastering any of that stuff at this point. Um, I can't imagine, because I think those are about as good as they're gonna get. Uh, so, but he did um, for the new record that we have coming out, Casa Luna, in uh, a couple weeks now. Um, there's a couple songs on there that him and John Fair recorded way back um, before Wake, I believe. So those are brand new re-recordings of those couple songs. So that might be of interest. Well, that's cool. Well, that's really that's a really interesting story, and I, I mean the recording quality on it's actually pretty good. I was just thinking, you know, and with a modern mastering sound, it just might hit harder and just be even better. But it, it still sounds really good, so I'm yeah. not complaining. Um, you guys put out a it was it was a it seemed like it was a limited thing. You called it Estrella with a Y, and it was just in a little paper case. And I and I really always really liked those songs. And I was, and I don't think I ever really saw them appear anywhere else are you like are you gonna ever bring him back in any form or is that was that just the one-off thing probably not um that was our side project that we did when we quit Lycia <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, for business reasons um okay. see this is the dirt that you're digging up and... <laughs> I thought it was a softball question I'm sorry <laughs> no I don't care <laughs> I don't care. But um, yeah, so we did that record. Um, and I think we just self-released that. It's so long now. We just self-released that one because we were like on a strike with Lysia. So probably not. I can't imagine Mike doing anything with those again. But, you know, tripping back into the broken days was actually the second Australia record. And we got sort of strong-armed into calling it Lysia. But, That's um, interesting because I, I, it does sound like it was basically the sequel to that. It album. is. It's 100% the sequel to that record. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't. Mike has never mentioned anything. I think we did a couple of those songs, though, live in um, some of our recordings that we did over the summer in the living room. 
Like, I think we performed some of those on some of those uh, little acoustic sets that we were doing. But yeah, I can't imagine Mike doing anything with those probably. Maybe though, who knows? Yeah. Well, anyway, I, I really liked your, your music and have for a while. And it was just, it was so, it really just wasn't like anything that I'd really heard when I, like the cold out and just, it just wasn't like anything else that I heard. Where it was almost like, you have these almost metal style guitars, not really, but it's like sort of really like background-ish like atmosphere. And and so I don't know, it was, it's, it was really, really good. So I just wanted well, to thank you. throw that out there. Thank you. Um, so anyway, those were just a few Lycia things I thought I would ask you about. Sure. But um, so, as far as me and Jory, I, I, I guess I won't dominate too much, but we've been friends since high school days and we've been in a couple bands together and we're, we currently make music under a couple different project names and we have a lot of different stuff, little love pots boiling. Uh, maybe Jory, if you wanna, if you wanna jump in Kinda. for a second, so. Yeah, yeah. Um... So, uh, yeah, basically, I was with the band. Um, I lived in California for a while. I pretty much moved out there, and, and um, I made an audition for one of my favorite bands at the time. Anyway, so this doesn't draw out. Uh, this is kind of how me and Josh got back together. Um, so I went out there. I, I did music, and it didn't really work out as planned. The band broke up, and um, as soon as there were some, some things that happened, I ended up getting shot while I was out there. Um, oh my god yeah it was a weird 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 little wrong place wrong time and wow. so uh i moved back home and uh when i moved back home i started doing my own my own stuff i'm a drummer you know since i was probably six years old hmm. and um i picked up piano just by ear when i was i don't know 14 or 15 and started playing with piano and i was like you know what i'll just start doing my own thing so for quite a few years i was just doing uh, when I got back from California, I was probably 27, 28, until I was probably, I don't know, 30, I don't know, I guess we, we started this project two years ago now. So I, I was under this name Flying Standby, which I, I made years ago under pretty much it was my, it was just drums and piano, just really just hmm. me just doing different ideas and and I wanted this this whole thing to be samples of old classic westerns in the background oh, cool. of like ro romantic like romantic dialogue, and I and I had a, I had a lot of problems. I ran out of dialogue. I was like, you know, what am I going to do now? Like, what am I going to find different? So, anyway, I was getting to where my writing style really wasn't changing much, and I wasn't getting inspired much. And um, me and Josh were going back and forth, and we were sharing different ideas and stuff, and then. We, we just started Pattern Faults out of nowhere. And uh, Josh is definitely the, uh, the creative force behind the project. Um, uh, you know, I don't know too much about synth stuff and digital stuff, but I know my, I, I mean, I have a digital or MIDI piano here, keyboard, 88 key, keyboard, and I, I do a lot of piano stuff on it, but I don't know how to do much uh, programming at all. Yeah. So when you hear uh, any of the synth stuff, it's usually Josh just uh, you know, showing off his creativity. So, uh, um, yeah, Tara, I have a. I was kind of debating whether or not to even bring this up, but um, 
I, I was gonna, I was telling Jory about it earlier, like I, a very long time ago, probably 20 years ago, I would work on some song ideas and there were, there were, I would give them like placeholder names. And I had a couple that I, I'm not kidding. I called like Lycia Ripoff 1 and Lycia Ripoff 2. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 awesome. I, I cued one up and I was thinking I would play it for you just to see if you'd get a kick out of it, but I don't really know if I want to do it. I was like, I don't know. It was kind of embarrassing, but like. Oh, well, I, I won't laugh. I mean, unless uh, you want me to laugh, but. Well, okay. I'm going to promise you it's probably not bad. Yeah. I, I'll play a snippet for you, but I could not mix worth a damn back then, and my the drums are way too loud. And I was trying to just go for those like long, like heavy reverb, long guitar sounds with atmospheric pads, and it, it and I just gave it the name Lycia Ripoff because a placeholder. It's like okay, <laughs> I'm gonna give it a real name later. But you might be shocked and horrified, and you might not think it sounds anything at all like Lycia. But I'm gonna play just a short snippet, and maybe you won't hear it through the phone or not. But we'll see. So we'll I'll see. just. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm making a mistake in slow motion and I, I could stop myself. But <laughs> I'm not going to. All right, where is it? All right, here we go. I'm just going to get to like a, a, a part in the middle somewhere. <laughs> it's hard to hear. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you could hear it or not. But, yeah. It was very quiet, but I mean, I can hear, you know, I can hear Lycia since in there. So anyway, that was like, that was just a funny, true story. Like That's of, funny. Well, I don't think you're the only one that's probably tried to do Lycia ripoff. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and I'm not saying that about me. I'm, that's about Mike. That's not me. <laughs> that's funny. Well, I, I will say like the the both the cold and Estrella albums were two that I listened to really a lot like back when they came out and they're still good but I mean I remember just listening to them a lot back then and you did this thing it was a long time ago but you did this one-off thing where like somebody could you would send them like a box with some stuff in it do you remember that I do and then, <laughs> And a friend of mine, I'm not going to say his name, but he was one that ordered it and he brought it over and, he, and it was cool. Like, I, it was just a cool oh thing. Oh my God. What all was in that? I can't even imagine. I seem to remember like there was a doll and there was some other stuff. I don't remember. It was like a yeah. box. That thing. That's funny because that doll was probably one of the, do you remember if it made noise? Did it play music? I, I don't remember. That's I just remember the doll was definitely one of the items. I should do that again. You know what? I, if it was a handmade doll, okay, Mike is convinced that I got him cursed because <laughs> if you remember, he used to have really long hair and he shaved it all off at one point and I kept all this hair. 
<laughs> and used it to make dolls. Like I stuffed these dolls with his hair. Wow. And, um, he's like, you, you're the one that got me diet. Like he's convinced um, that's how he got diabetes is that somebody put a curse on him. <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. Yeah, I, I should do that again just because it was fun. Like I would randomly just find stuff around the house and stick in these boxes. <laughs> Does it give his hair long anymore? No, his hair, he actually shaves completely bald, like bald, bald, like cue ball, smooth. Yeah, he probably put it in that real quick, huh? Yeah. After I got him cursed with his hair. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. I used to send people stuff a lot. Like, uh, I remember there was a couple dolls that I used on my solo album that I shipped off to people and I just used to get rid of stuff. Now I'm like, I can't believe I didn't keep that, but you know. I still, I still have your solo on the CD. Did you ever make another one or was it just that one? Yeah, I have um, this one like Liquid Honey came out on um, Project and then my little Fire Filled Heart came out on Silver but I haven't done any solos. I did a couple one-off songs here and there, but for the most part, I haven't done any solo stuff in a long time. Yeah. Just don't have time. That's understandable. Yeah. At this point, I would have to relearn like how to, re you know, use all the equipment and I've got too much other stuff going on. Yeah. So I have to tell you, Jory, you look like you're, related to the Van Fort Fleets. You absolutely look like Mike's family. It's so weird. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, wow. I'm like looking at you going, you look just <laughs> like Mike's brother. It's so weird. That's funny. Um, I guess that's a compliment there. Huh? It is a compliment, yes. But yeah, it's funny to me. I'm like, wow, you look like Mike's brother. It's weird. <laughs> well, anyway, I remember back in the MySpace days and I, I you, I know you don't remember me, but I, I, I added you as a friend back, like way back, and I, and I sent you a message one day because I thought I, I thought I was asking you about a specific keyboard that I thought maybe I'd heard in one of your songs, hmm. and so I sent a message asking like, did you use this keyboard in this song? And your response was something like, it was something like, I'm not sure, but it's really not what you use, it's how you use it, or something like that. And I, I don't know, but I anyway. Still yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. I think. Yeah, uh, Mike has never used good equipment. <laughs> never. Like he, for for Ionia and everything prior, he used a Kawhi PH50, which is just like one step above a toy keyboard. Um, we still have that keyboard. He still sometimes tries to get sounds out of it. <clears throat> um, yeah. And I, and that's always, his, that's always been his philosophy. It's not about, you know, buying expensive equipment and whatever you can, you can get good sounds out of anything if you know what you're doing, you know? Yeah. Especially nowadays it's, it's, there's yeah. so many VSTs that emulate so much. Yep. It's, it's crazy. And like even just apps, like there's, Mike has used um, apps. They're like chintzy free apps and he's yeah. used them to, you know, record songs with and yeah there's all kinds of good stuff like you don't I like we know a lot of people who have just like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of equipment and it's almost like the equipment becomes sort of 
the focal point as opposed to just like recording. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I put money into a, because I, I, I just started trying to sing here a couple of years back. I was like, you know, if we can't find, we were working, we're trying to work a singer into the group. Yeah. He's the old singer I used to work with, with the band that I moved out to California to play with was the John Wilkes Kissing Booth. And um, they were like my favorite, you know, post-punk band. They're just, just, just great people, period. But anyway, I, uh, I, uh, or we were trying to get him, the singer, uh, to come, you know, basically work with us a little bit he wanted to drop a, a contract about if things were to take off how everything would pan out I was like you know this is kind of awkward it's kind of weird um anyway super cool guy though but it, it kind of took the fun out of it and um and and then the contract there were, I guess some things were said were not contract sorry but drawing up some ideas for the contract um I think some things were said where maybe it shied him away but with, anyway long story short I, I thought, you know what, I'll take up singing. I'm going to try to learn how to sing. And so uh, I bought this, um, a slight digital has this, um, it's basically a, a preamp that comes with their mic. That's a large diaphragm mic and it emulates like 10 different mics from like $10,000, $5,000 to $20,000 mics, the Newman mics. And anyway, it's, it's really crazy how incredible it emulates these mics and, and you can go on YouTube and, and you'll see people, uh, you know, a being the real mic versus the, the VST version. Yeah. And it's, it's insane. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's transparent for sure. I mean, it kind of, it, it teaches me, uh, flaws more apparent for sure. It's something that, uh, it, yeah, it's, but it's cool to have. It's, it's nice. Yeah. That, you know, and we, we just use SM 58s that's it we bought yeah, a really it's a great mic. We, we i mean we bought a really good mic uh it's been a long time ago now and we tried to use it and i just we didn't like it like it was too probably too good i don't know but <laughs> we just switched back to the sm58 and that's what we've been using and yeah we don't have a vocal booth we literally sit in the bedroom you know what's crazy Computer is I, I propped uh, up on the bed, mic stand right here. <laughs> There's nothing fancy about it. The the mic I hear is more most consistent, which I'm looking at buying one probably next week, is the uh Sure SM7. It's like a three hundred dollar mic. You see everybody using it. And and I, and it's funny, one of my favorite producers I was listening to, his name is John Congleton. He's from the Dallas area, but he's produced a lot of really cool bands and he had his own band called The Paper Chase. But anyway, um uh, he had a remark on there. He said, look, you can use all these mics and I pay so much for them. And he says, but every, every time I have these nice mics, there's something about somebody stepping up to a nice mic. It's like, they don't want to give their all. It's mm. like they shy away from how, you know, don't touch it or don't break it. Or he said, there's something about an SM7 where somebody, they just kind of lose their self. And it's, it's a good sounding mic, but they, he talks about always just grabbing the personality rather than, you know, somebody maybe i don't know being scared to sing into something anyway that's a that's interesting yeah i thought it was a kind of a good analogy yeah i think that kind of happens in general like when you go to record you you almost always freeze up to a degree like you're not quite as loose as when you are just in your house singing around the kitchen or for sure whatever. yeah and you know like i know for us like we've done a couple of these like living room performances this past summer and our last one is going to be actually on tomorrow and 
you know, we could just be sitting in the house goofing off, just Mike playing acoustic guitar, me singing along, just goofing off while we're watching TV. And it's always like you nail it, you know, you just nail it. And then as soon as you click that camera on to record, you just automatically go into a different mode where you're not quite as loose. And that probably is sort of what he's talking about too with that mic. It's like, there's this intimidation factor of like, okay, this is gonna be reported. Yeah. And it's really like, it makes sense if you're going into a studio cause you're paying for every second that you're there. But like, we're home, like we can literally take as long as we want and yeah, endless amount of takes. So, you know, it's like, there's no reason to, to freeze up at all, but it, I think it's just human nature, you know? Yeah. No, I agree 100%. I, I do that in my own home by myself. I yeah. open this little door and go to my little makeshift vocal booth and I'm like, I just nailed it out of here just just trying to sing it over and over here about yeah. 10 different times. Then when I go in there and sing into it, I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And anyway, it's, uh, but it's, it's also a whole process of learning too and just getting comfortable with. Because yeah. for, for years, I, I, was, I grew up listening. You know, The Cure was my favorite band growing up. And, and I, I just learned to, every song by heart was like, it was English accent, Every, you know, and, that, and that's, it's funny because, you know, trying to sing on my own, uh, it's, I always try, it's, I always revert to an English accent a little bit. That's and funny. it took a while for me to try to get rid of that and find my own. And I'm still trying to find my own voice, but it's interesting how you, finding your own voice is one of the hardest things to do. Yeah, it is. I feel, for me I feel anyway, like, you're, you're probably a natural, but. I wouldn't say that. I don't, I, I feel like. I feel like um, I don't know enough to be able to fake somebody else's. <laughs> I'm not talented enough to try to be like somebody else, but yeah, right? I, it's um, I think I think that a lot of people, you know, you you usually get into music because you're a fan of music, and so in the beginning, that's kind of what you do is like you sort of emulate the things that you like. Um, and then at some point you start emulating yourself. Mike yeah. always talks about that with Lycia, like in the beginning, they were trying to sound like their favorite bands. And then at some point they realized that they were imitating themselves. And that's when it kind of crossed over into, you know, you're your own thing at that point. But I, I think, think that's I, what's know, going on with pattern faults right now, to be honest. I think we're, we're, try we're finally finding our our gears, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think it takes time, you know. And and of course, then you're going to evolve again because you never, no one ever stays the same. You constantly evolve, so right. you know that's a good yeah. thing. We're we're you don't si we're, get bored. we're sitting on an on a basically a full album worth of songs that I just need to get off my butt and finish the mixing, but. The, the theme there was they have to be really like post punk, no heavy production stuff and. They had to be songs that I came up with like on my lunch break, like from start right to finish. And so they're basically there and I just need to get them done. But like, it was like, I, I'm pretty excited about that collection of songs, but we just, we're trying to get this cover album done like first. And it's, it's really just more of a fun thing. Just to, it's like working on this stuff and learning new tricks. Yeah. And I, I was going to ask you like, Can you I hear mean, my when, dog? When, when Can my you hear my dog? She's over here like gagging, sorry. I'm like, I hope you guys don't, if you hear something over here coughing and gagging, it's not me, it's my dog. But anyways, go ahead, sorry. I was, I was wondering if we could talk for a second about Steve Roach, just because sure. you, 
you're in Arizona, he's in Arizona. Do you ever have any interaction with him? Do you ever see him or do anything with him? Or? So when we actually did the tripping back into the Broken Days record, um, we went down to his house. He's the one that mixed that album. And if you okay. notice on the credits, it says like time room treatments by Steve Roach. So he added a lot of textures to that release. So we hung out with him and um, uh, through that process. And actually he just played his first ever Phoenix show. Uh, gosh, I, I think it was last year. It might, it, at this point, it might've been two years ago. Time has become this thing that makes no sense to me. But he just played um, his first Phoenix show and we went and saw him that night and hung out with him a little bit. But yeah, he's a really great guy. Yeah, he's he's really cool. We saw him in Sedona, and, and in be in between sets, he was I guess Roger King. I don't I don't know if you know him, but he's yeah he was he was doing the mixing and helping him out. And so I went back. I just went back into the room where they both were just to say hi to him. And like I said, hey Steve, how are you doing? And and I said, oh, you're Roger King, aren't you? And they were nice to me, but then my friend and I were joking that maybe they were just like thinking I was an idiot afterward. But I, I, Steve Roach is one of my all-time heroes. I mean, I just have so many, I mean, hundreds. He puts out, he puts out like an album like every other week. I mean, he's he very, and it's always good. Like he can just, like, he can just crank them out and they're always good. But my friend and I, we've always had this sort of running joke. We, we both, like, we both love Steve Roach. I mean, he's, you know, we buy all of his music. We love him, but we have this kind of inside joke between ourselves where it's like Steve Roach just has kind of secret life as like a gangster rapper type person. <laughs> we'll, we'll like, we'll give each other collections of his music on MP3s, but the titles will be changed to these hideous like rap titles. <laughs> yeah, and which is in hoes. Just, just because, <laughs> right. you know, but it, it's, it's just, yeah, anyway, I don't know, it's funny. I'll, I'll actually email him every now and then, like when he puts out an album, if I, if I really like it, I'll write him an email and say, hey, I really like this album. And every once in a while, he'll write back and say, hey, thanks, I'm glad you liked it, you know. Yeah, he's cool. a super chill guy. Um, and he's in, he, well, he's not in Tucson anymore. I, I can't, he, he moved from Tucson. I can't remember where he lives now, but he's a couple hours away from us. So, you know, we don't see him, but um one of our my funny stories about Steve is at that first project festival in like what 95 or 6 um he played that festival also and so it was like late at night and we went to this diner that was close to the theater or close to our hotel um to get something to eat and we get in there and like Steve is like sitting at a table asleep eating like he he had this plate of breakfast <laughs> and he's like it's it was really late and he's like sitting there asleep with these eggs and so uh, he woke up and then we hung out with the, with each other we sat at this table and um you know talked and whatever and we called it the tucson truck stop because it was like this greasy spoon diner in like the middle of Chicago or whatever. And we're like sitting with our other Arizona compatriot, you know, eating breakfast at like late night. And it just was really, it was funny. So we always have that, uh, the Tucson truck stop in Chicago. 
but it was just hilarious because we look over we're like look steve roach is here eating eggs like what the hell yeah that, that, <laughs> would, just, that would blow my mind that would mess yeah. me up <laughs> Yeah, because like, oh, he's a huge he's a huge influence on Mike also. Yeah, I've noticed uh, you, you know Soma FM, that streaming service. Yeah. I, I used to listen to it a lot, and I noticed that they have a couple of ambient channels. And I used to listen to those all the time. And Steve Roach is always being played on those channels, but yeah, I've noticed okay. Mike I've noticed Mike has I guess he has some ambient stuff that they I hear on those channels sometimes. So I thought that was good. Yeah, he put out an ambient record, Beyond the Horizon Line, um, uh, on Silver Records. Yeah, he put that out quite a few years ago. It's a really, really, really good album. Yeah, I like I like all that I've heard on it. It's definitely really good. Yeah, I don't know if that I don't know if that record's still in print or not. It might be sold out. I'm not sure, but you can find it all on um, YouTube and whatever. Dark, yeah. nice, good dark ambient stuff. Yeah. So, is Project Records still a thing? Are they still doing stuff? Or I don't know. I just remember there for a while. It was like, I, it was like gold. Like you know, all the stuff was really good. I don't know. I, who knows? Uh, all right. Yes, Project Records. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Project Records still exists, and they still put out records. And. Um, not by Lycia. <laughs> That's all right. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, yeah, we just kind of had a little weirdness um, over the current record, but. Uh, Was it put out by them, or did y'all have to no. go through different distribution? We went through. We went a different way. <laughs> but you know, I mean, oh god. Um, I'm gonna be nice. Okay, that's cool. I can read between those lines. Um, so what, what, was Mike, what was Mike going for when he started making music? I mean, did he have a specific vision he was going for? Or like, I don't know, it seems like he formed a pretty unique sound, like, you know, over the I don't time. know that he had, I don't think he had like a specific vision, but he, you know, he was into all the post-punk stuff and um like wire killing joke course joy division um but he also liked stuff like the who yes um led zeppelin and then some of the you know uh television um all great bands. and and and, and weirdly enough like stuff like sweet and of course bowie and all that stuff so i think that he just kind of took all of that stuff that he was into and that's the you know that those were his influence and so he was sort of creating similar um vibe wise i guess um mm. i guess that's what the answer is i don't know so, so I, I don't know i'm thinking of steve roach like in, in a truck stop somewhere and i'm like i can't it's it's a hard thing for me to think about because he's one of those people that I see as almost immortal. Like his, you know, the music he makes is so, it's on another level. You know, he's just yeah. he's like he's like godlike. You know, and so it's, he's definitely the king. Like he is absolutely the king. Um, it's interesting though because I think he was like a BMX bike racer when he yeah. was young. So 
something like that. I remember hearing something about that, but like, he's just a super chill, like real chill down to earth dude. And like, I remember at that project festival, Mike was talking to him and he was like, don't you after like, don't you hate that feeling? Like when you f finish an album and you're just disappointed in it. And he's just like, no, I don't have that feeling. <laughs> so Mike has always like this whole time been like, how, how would that feel to like not be let down, you know? Yeah. That's he always just something that he's referenced because it was, he was just like, no, don't know that feeling. Yeah, like you asked him, like, how does it feel to write a, an A minus song? And he would say, I have no idea. Right, exactly. Well, it sounds like he's got so, so many ideas that he doesn't have time to ponder on the, the last one. You know? That could well, be I, too. I, I like he's it. on to the next, you know. Maybe yeah. that is that's part that might be part of it. Yeah. He could just be like, okay, done with that, on to the next. I don't know. Right. I, I read that he he did when he was doing the dirt bike racing, what he would he had these long drives where he had to go to where the races were, I guess. And this is what I think I read, and that he would basically record some ambient music for himself just for those long drives, just so oh. Like it could help him like get through the drive, going through the yeah. like Arizona Arizona night with like the the cactus and stuff on the side, and so I, that's what I read, and that's kind of just how he got into the whole making. Oh, of that's cool. Yeah, that makes sense too. I mean, plus to get into the mindset. I mean, you've been to Arizona. It's very otherworldly. Like it's like being on another planet here. It's very um, old feeling. Um, so I could see how it just the, the desert itself kind of inspires this mystical energy, I guess. So yeah. I could see how, uh, you know, that would be conducive to getting in the mind frame yeah. to go race or whatever. You know, kind of, yeah, kind of I, off topic. I like Arizona. Uh, one day I, I do want to go back to the desert, like Mike says, but... <laughs> <laughs> Do you go to Sedona very often? Not really. I, gosh, we haven't even been here. I don't think we've been there since we moved back in 2001. But we go to Jerome usually once a year, which is right next door to Sedona. Um, but we haven't been to Sedona proper in, in quite a while. Of course, we haven't I, done anything in the last year and a half. So. I was just wondering what your thoughts on the vortex were. You were talking about Arizona being another. I don't know. So, the older I get, the more um, sensitive I get to environments. I guess. I think when I was there, when I was younger, like it just feels like a beautiful place. Like I don't think I. I mean, I wasn't trying to like hone in on any energy or whatever. I feel like if I went there now, I could probably stuff more just because I get thrown out by atmosphere like we went to the Grand Canyon um it's been a long time ago now like over well over a year ago we went to the Grand Canyon and just that slight change in elevation I was like sick the whole first day that we were there so I'm like I bet if I went to Sedona now I could probably like probably get some weird dizzy headed vibes or something from all these vortexes that are supposed to be up around there you gotta pop your head in. This is Dirk Van Portfleet. <laughs> yeah. What so, were you gonna say, Jory? Oh, um, yeah. Kind of off topic. It's 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 a 
interesting correlation, but the, the last bass player for the Jomless Kissing Booth that I, that I played with before I moved back here, he was a pro BMX racer. So that's oh. kind of an interesting uh, little... That is little, interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. I'm, 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 I'm sure they would know by athletes. I was never an athlete that, that you know, I, I, I can watch, you know, football, basketball, even, you know, stuff like BMX stuff. But in fact, I like, you know, love watching X games and stuff like that when it comes on, but it's something I've never been into. It's either music or pretty much yeah. music. Yeah. yeah. I twirled baton competitively. Wow. Really? Dude, <laughs> yes. dude, that's awesome. Do you, do you have it? Can you do a little bit for us? Oh, right they're, now? they're in the closet tucked away. All right. I still have them all, but yeah, it would be funny if I busted the batons out at some point. <laughs> I usually get them out like once a year and like twirl in the, in the driveway for about an hour and then put them back away. You still decent at it? No, no. I tried that with I mean, the skateboard. Yeah, Horrible. you kind of, it's one of those things like, I mean, I can still twirl but not like I did, obviously. Plus you're, again, with the age, your equilibrium, Very much, spinning yeah. in circles and stuff, not <laughs> my friend anymore. <laughs> so Tara, what's, what's your favorite band of all time? Oh, I mean, it's gotta be The Cure. Oh, you're gonna be hypercritical. <laughs> it has to be The Cure because that's the band that like, there's three bands I feel like changed my life. The Cure was the first one because I became obsessed with Robert Smith and that opened the gateway to everything else. Yeah. And the second probably would be Swans because that was a whole new avenue for me. And then of course Lycia because it literally changed my life. I became obsessed with Lycia, tracked Mike down, there's a whole other human being alive because of Lycia. So those would be my three. But I have to say The Cure because that's like the, you know, really changed the course of my life. You know, that's interesting. You bring up the swans or swans. Um, I didn't know about swans until I didn't really know. I, I thought I knew about kind of dark music at the time. And then a buddy of mine. And, you know, at the time, I thought dark music was like, I don't know, Aphex Twin, Come to Daddy, you know, which is, you know, the, the whole song's pretty dark, you know, and then a buddy said, you need to listen to soundtracks for the blind. And uh, I remember popping that in, on laying down for bed one night and just putting my headphones on. And it made me feel the most awkward I've ever, no, but in a good way. I don't know how to, yeah, I, don't know no, how to I, get I don't know it. how to explain this. Like, just beautiful darkness like uh yes one of the best albums still today i mean i love their like uh you know various failures and stuff like that but even his uh Marcus Raw stuff is his solo stuff is, is is good but man there's just something about i guess with him and jarbo that just had they had I something agree. that was just amazing you know i remember the first time i heard swans like it made me feel so uncomfortable <laughs> and it was so like it it felt uncomfortable but in like in a scary way but kind of like you know when um you get it's almost like a supernatural thing where you're messing with something you probably shouldn't mess with exactly but it feels yeah. good and you do it anyway <laughs> mm -hmm. 
-hmm. and then it becomes comfortable. So that was kind of like how I was with swans. Like they scared me, but it was so intriguing and so dark and seductive, I guess. Yeah. That, yeah, definitely. And like Jarbo is a huge inspiration for me. She's been actually a really good friend to me. And um, just when I was a young 19 year old girl, I wrote her a fan letter and she wrote me back and not only did you write me back, but like it was this beautifully handwritten letter that she had painted and oh. just took the time to care about some 19 year old girl from the middle of nowhere in Ohio. And that was such a huge thing to me. And we kept in contact through the years and everything. And I got to play a show with her and She's just such a like, she's so like real and so like vulnerable and supportive to like everybody. And I just, she's such an amazing person. So that's why, again, that's like another reason why that they're super important to me because she has been sort of like a personal hero to me and just, you know, I don't know if you guys saw that movie that they just did, that documentary. I can't even think of what it's called right now, but they just put out a document, a Swans documentary, not too terribly long ago. <clears throat> and she, she told the story about how when she first started singing for Swans, the crowds were absolutely brutal to her and throwing stuff at her, spitting on her, screaming and hollering. And it never deterred her. Like, she's like, I just went to the mic stayed focused, did my part, and I, I blocked it all out. And meanwhile, the guys in the band are like fist fighting with the crowd and like beating the shit out of people who are, you know, trying to attack her. And, crazy. and that, that was so like, if you can stay focused and be you and not care when all of these people are legit trying to harm you, it's either mentally, emotionally, or physically, if she can do that, then there's no reason to ever be scared of stepping that, on a stage. You know what I just mean? Just hearing that made my, my hair stand up. Like that's, yeah. that's inspiring for sure. Definitely. How did you become friends with her? Just kept writing. We just kept writing back and forth. And I mean, we just kept corresponding. And then, I mean, at one point she sent me this huge box of her clothes. And like, I have these hand painted, handmade dresses of hers that like, she's like, oh yeah, that one dress I wore for a dinner party with Einstein de Neubach. And I'm like, I have this dress that she hand painted for din a dinner party with them. I mean, and one of um, her gowns that she had made, I took with me on um, our cold tour and, you know, just, just, Oh, she's just overwhelming. Like she's such a good hearted person and just, you know, again, for being from this like, you know, girl who was from nowhere in Ohio and that she took the time to reach out and like sort of mentor, I guess. I don't know, she, she knows that she did this, but you know, it, she's just she's just inspiring like there's no reason to be afraid if she's not scared like I shouldn't be scared you know like that's kind of the mindset that I take or try to take um 
and she's just so like raw like you were talking about the microphones earlier and how people get timid and you know yeah. you kind of whatever and she's just like nope going for it you know yeah. like there's there's no hesitation I'm going for it and, and so that to me is like super inspirational because I've always been super insecure about stuff and so yeah she's just and she's like unapologetically herself you know she's just like this is who I am yeah. and that's the goal know, right it's just to find just to find that that uh, uninhibited sort of you know I mean I'm not gonna lie like I mean, I deal with that all the time. I, I mean, I'm it's nervous hard. right now just t- just having this interview, you know, but me too. It, 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 it's it's hard to just just strip it down and just be yourself. And and I think I'm close to that. Right. But I feel like I'm always battling myself. It's um, hard. It is hard. But it's, it's, it's interesting, though, what I was going to say earlier is um, Jarbo or, or even music like Swans. Having people, some people listen to that type of music that aren't necessarily I guess adjusted to that type of sound. I've had people say, "Man, this is demonic or this is evil." I'm like, "Dude, you have no idea." Like, some of these people yeah. are the 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 greatest people you'll probably ever meet in your life. Sure. And are yeah. so grounded and so founded. You know, it's it's a, uh, it's 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 just strange to hear people just go there, with with, uh, yeah. with that type of sound. I think I think part of it is that. Well, first, a, a quick little story about that. So when I when I became aware of Swans and like me and my friend would listen to them to them in my bedroom, my mom would. I just remember my mom walked by one time and she goes, "It sounds like a dungeon in there." <laughs> that was my funny story, but um, I'm like accurate. Um, but yeah, I feel like people that view music as like demonic or like it's scary or whatever are the same kind of people who like go through life pretending like everything's fine all the time. Totally. Like yeah. nothing's, nope, the world's fine. Everything will work out. Everything's hunky-dory. And, yeah. and so I think people that um, make music that's not happy and pretty and it's painful and dark and aggressive, I feel like they're more in touch with reality than the people that just want to listen to like, pop music that has like literally no depth to it whatsoever that's why i love the cure so much is because i think they touched on every aspect of the emotion the emotional spectrum every every album i think it's crazy like listening every album is different you know uh but but it just yeah that's why the cure was my favorite band because i could identify I, i mean i had dark thoughts all the time i you know i i had you know depressive thoughts all the time and but uh, of course, you know, everybody has those happy, you know, uh, so, so I could identify with, with all of it. And, uh, but there's something about Robert Smith's voice that just, it's like a, a buddy just sitting there talking to you. It, he, he's a singer, right? But, but it's like he was talk singing. It was a way that he was, I don't know, I'm not going to rant on that, but it was always a, a shoulder to lean on when I was going through hard times. So that's yeah, why. Yeah, it's a comforting thing. I mean, you know, when you're feeling really upset, you want somebody to understand it, not go, hey, buddy, put on a smiley face. Like, yeah, that's not helpful. But the person that puts their arm around you, like, man, I know life sucks. Right. <laughs> that's what you want. So, like, I, I feel like, you know, you don't want to wallow too much, but it's a comfort to people to know, like, oh, my God, I'm not the only person that feels this miserable. Right. <laughs> and they manage to keep going. So, you know, I don't know. 
yeah. just don't like fake stuff. So, you know, there's a time and place for stupid music. I don't want to say stupid music, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm jumping not around, acting goofy. But, you know, my, but that's not me, generally speaking. Well, I've told this to Josh a few times. My, my, my daughter, of course, you know, she's, she's five and a half and Aww. she loves all the anything poppy and her favorite's Taylor Swift. I'm not gonna lie, I'll hear some Taylor Swift and I'm like, oh, that's pretty good groove right there, you know? Yeah. I'll get, you know, it's funny because I'll get on my kit and she'll stand here with the microphone and she'll sing some Taylor Swift or something. I'm like, and I'll, I'll get into the drum beat, you know, but it's, it's music that doesn't touch my soul. Right. But, uh, but there's definitely some, some melodies uh, in, in some of the pop and they know what they're doing. You know, and I can hear sure. hooks. They're stealing from from some from songs I've heard a thousand times over. Um, yeah, it's a formula. Yeah, it's definitely a formula. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people find comfort in that formula because it is it's it, it's its own form of escapism. Like the the people that want to feel a little bit sad, like oh they broke up with their boyfriend, so they feel a little bit sad, but they don't want to <laughs> really go dark and deep. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's uncomfortable for them, right? It, of course, yeah. Yeah. You know, speaking of wallowing in misery, like one of one of my favorite bands, artists from the what I call the project era, like back in like the early two thousands or whatever it was. Soul rolling somewhere. Yes. <laughs> one of, I, I, I don't know, like if you like, if, I don't know what your thoughts are, but like for me, like I just always his stuff. Just I've just loved it, like forever. I just. And it's, and it's the most, like, it's probably some of the most depressing music any human has ever recorded. And I'm like, I, I, I hear it, I, I could see you playing it like at a hospice center or something like, oh, it's, Lord. Like, it's like, you know, but it's so, it's so down, but it's, it's not like super oppressively like Swans type down, I guess. It's really but, beautiful too. I've got to check it out now. Michael is a sweetheart too. Michael is absolutely, he's, a, he lives in Phoenix. He's a sweetheart. I consider him a genius. I just, I just really, I don't know. I, I wish he was still making that kind of music and I, maybe he, maybe he did it and he's done and that was it, but. I don't know it, what Michael's doing. Um, I know that he was in some other projects for a while, but even that's probably been a long time ago now, but I don't, I, I, have, I haven't talked to him in quite a while. I should I should go um, stalk him on Facebook or something and see what he's up to. He's a really really nice guy, but it's funny because you brought Soul Rolling Summer up because um, the guy I talked to two weeks ago that's one of his favorite bands too, and we talked about how dark those albums are. Um, like those are like the breakup albums of breakup albums, like. Yeah if you've broken up with someone that you truly cared about <laughs> and you want to wallow in it. I mean, with song titles, like how to hang yourself and I should throw myself, <laughs> I should throw myself under a train. I mean, those are, those are his hits. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everyone will eventually leave you. Isn't that one? Yeah. Everyone will eventually leave you. Um, I give up. But it's so beautiful. Time. Yeah. And he's such a beautiful guy. Like he's so like he's just his soul is sweet, but he's like physically beautiful too. He's like tall and he had this long, beautiful hair, and like he's just a beautiful guy and um sweet as can be. I don't know. So it's like sad to think that he 
hurt so much, you know, because he's like, you we, know, we must have good lord, but <laughs> well, and I think that the girl on the cover is the girl that is the album's about, too, if oh. I'm not remembering things wrong. So, yeah, that's some dark stuff. <laughs> I'm gonna check it out. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Like, if you like, um, like. A uh, slow dive kind of love uh, slow dive. Yeah, it's very, it's really pretty. He's got a beautiful voice, good guitar player. Yeah, I wish he was still. I guess he had something called Mr. Meeble, and it was a yeah. I don't know if it, and I those are good songs. Don't get me wrong, but it it's not like it's you know they're good. It's solid. I like it a lot. It's you can tell there's a lot of talent, but I really like the solar whirling somewhere stuff. Like. It just yeah. seems timeless to me, so I really liked it. Yeah, he is a good guy. Yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah. I feel like he recorded an album, a summer, summer album where he was in the process of doing it, and then it did it happen or something. I'm looking that guy up. What's I have some slow whirling somewhere ripoff songs too, actually. from <laughs> Right on. Placeholders. That are, That's that, hilarious. That that I think still sound good. I think they have potential, Jory. Maybe we'll do them with Let's do it, dude. <clears throat> Just get really depressed. That's all you got to do. I mean, don't, because I don't want you to be really depressed. But now, we'll beef, I, them I think, up, beef them up a little bit. I, I think my favorite band of all time is probably Cocteau Twins, even though I like a lot of different styles of music, for sure. But they're probably right. just my all-time favorite. Yeah, everyone thinks that's one of my favorite bands, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, that's, I just, I don't know, I feel like they've achieved some heights that in some of their songs For that sure. nobody else yeah. came close to. But the tones, the most dreamy tones, I think on every album, just amazing. Yeah, I think my favorite stuff is the early stuff. So I'm like, not like, I don't know a ton about Cocteau Twins, um, but I like the, Blood Bitch and Bluebell Knoll and like That's the one, yeah. Garlands that that record I like that record a lot but I don't know I'm not like a my taste is so weird that's why I'm like people ask me like want me to give an opinion on their music and I'm like please don't ask me because my opinion <laughs> is so weird and arbit like it's so arbitrary like didn't you I guys can end a... up hurting someone's feelings and not even trying to you know what I mean yeah. Didn't my best Lycia friends the same way, yeah. Didn't you didn't Lycia cover a do a song on a Joy Division cover collection? Am I remembering correctly? Yeah, um, in a lonely place. That was actually a really good that was a great album too. Like all the songs on that. What was that called? Ceremonial. I think it was called Ceremonial, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a really good record. Um, yeah, I love that. That was what? I wasn't on that song, obviously. Did you ever um, listen to that band Icon? It's I-K-O-N. Like, I feel like I'm sure I've heard their music. Like, I, I know the name. I'm sure I've heard their music at some point. They're really straightforward, like goth rock, but their first original singer sounded exactly like Ian Curtis to the point. And I, I, I even think they may have contributed a song to that collection. But... I feel like they were on that. I, I Like, did they do 3-1-G? Is that the band maybe that did 3-1-G I can't remember um 
but I think they were on that comp. I don't, I want to get my hands on that copy. I mean, we have a copy somewhere, but I haven't listened to that in a long time. That was a good album. I think Trance the Sun were on there. I think they did. They might have done two songs on that because that came out. We recorded that uh, on the 19, like on a break on the 1995 tour, Dave and Mike were living at my parents' house because we were on tour that summer with Trance the Sun. And on one of our breaks, we recorded, they recorded that song in my old bedroom. Um, yeah, that was a good record. Thanks for reminding me. I'm going to have to hunt that up. But, but anyway, so the band Icon, the, the first singer sounded exactly like Ian Curtis. Their, their music was more like straightforward gothic rock style. I really like it, but their their current or later singer didn't sound the same but they, he was good too but anyway I was just where wondering. were they from were they from like paris or something like that i don't know i almost I think remember. maybe they're from australia or something but i can't remember i don't i don't maybe. know I don't... somebody will know somewhere google will know google will know <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah google will tell you that. without you asking that's true. I'll probably get an ad for something later. Nope, you will. Ian Curtis, sing a light. Yeah. So that, I'm going to look that. I think you might be right. They might be from Australia. Yep, Australia. You are correct. See, Google. All Love right. It. See, like, right what, yeah, it feels like those bar trivia games, like, they're not, you can't really. <laughs> Like now that Google is here, people can just cheat probably on this. I don't. I, don't I know. I always think about that. You know how on like the radio uh, morning shows or whatever, they'll have these like they'll play like three seconds of a song and you have to guess X amount in certain you know short amount of time. I'm like, I feel like these people all just have their cell phones like, yeah, quickly googling while they're trying to answer these trivia questions. Yeah. Um, so, are you guys releasing your stuff yourself? Like, do you are you on? Do you have a Bandcamp page, or what? What are you doing? You looking for a label? What's going on? We we have two projects, and I'll let Jory explain too. But we one is called Pattern Faults, and one is called Hex Forms, and they're both. We use DistroKid for distribution, so that's just kind of what we're doing. So, like, we have. We have a few a few albums out. I mean, a few EPs, albums, singles, whatever, out under both of those projects. And Hex Forms was originally supposed to be a little bit more for like the heavy synth, maybe almost goth rock, like you know anything that kind of fit into those that stuff. Maybe with a little bit of you know a little different style. Pattern Faults is going to be more of like organic like style music but it, it kind of has blended together so we just kind of make songs under both of those titles so we're, we don't so anyway jory if you want to tell her some more no that's kind of where i was hoping pattern faults would go uh, i think hex forms is definitely josh's baby you know he's been working on so it's funny because in the beginning when we started working together he said dude i have like a just a a treasure chest of just ideas and he was throwing you know 20 songs one day or 20 ideas the next day i'm like dude slow down here and i'm, I'm <laughs> at like at least seven out of ten of them are all freaking like good ideas so uh 
you know, we, we first started, I just first started adding some drum ideas to some hex horn stuff. Um, and then from there, I had some of my pattern faults ideas going, which are mainly just piano driven stuff. And um, now it's, it's come to a point, this is where I kind of wanted it to evolve, or I did want it to evolve, is hex forms pattern faults uh, material. And, and we're pretty good at that. <laughs> that's badass. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but I, I, yeah. Wanted, I wanted him to have enough freedom in this project to where he felt it was his own. Hmm. Um, initially, I wanted it because he, he wanted to do hex forms. He probably still will. But uh, hex forms and pattern faults, I wanted it to be my kind of my piano outlet. But I've gotten to a point where he, he, he contributes so much, um, so many good ideas that uh, I, I just, I want him to take lead in, in, to a point where he feels comfortable with this being his own too. Mm. And I think that's finally where it's going. Uh, again, I can't play guitar or bass, so he pretty much, anything that has guitar or bass in it, he, he's, he's constructing himself anyway. Um, so I, in this next album, uh, the original album anyway, is, is all him pretty much. I just put a drum beat to it. Um, but I, I plan on doing a piano solo album of course, with his, some of his ideas in the mix, but I'm trying to get a little bit of my therapy out in it too. Uh, we, we, we definitely have a different school of thought um, when it comes to writing music. I'm more freeform. He's definitely, I wouldn't say not freeform, but he's better at structuring. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think he, he, he tones me down enough to make me better. And I, I do learn a lot from him in that sense. But I do think there's something great and beautiful about just kind of letting your feelings go especially when I'm playing piano just kind of no 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 aim or anything just yeah. kind of let my heart kind of spill out onto it making a few corrections later you know in the midi process but um you know aside from that I think um I think that's where pattern faults is going kind of hex swarms slash pattern faults and um but you got to hear this new remix he's done with the figurehead you'll see the hex forms side of him it's amazing like I'm cool. telling you, like he sent it to me uh, yesterday and it just blew my mind. But yeah, yeah, I think we'll probably re release it. I think we'll be ready for it at least Monday, I think at the latest. Cool. So the first, the first half of it is kind of like a disjointed electronic type song and his voice, I'm putting it through some like glitchy stuff. And then the, like the, the like last third of it is kind of like a straightforward, like birthday massacre type electro goth type thing that just kind of hits out of nowhere so we're yeah there were kind of two different songs that we that we had worked on uh, two different versions and i was like i just kind of wanted to put them into one piece or whatever but we've been working forever on this cover album though like it's i'm i'm completely done with my part of that so it's it's all up to jory now to finish his mixing or whatever he's doing and then it'll come out like probably in a day or two or just whenever jory is done so yeah. Do y'all do uh, distro kit releases? I, I, I don't know if you work with a different distributor or, or just a record label to put your stuff out, but I, I went through all your Spotify stuff and uh, do y'all work? I, I assume y'all work with the label to get all that stuff out with Lycia. Uh, no, Mike, um, we have our own distributors with Sony. Um, what was it used to be? It used to be Iris, I want to say. And then Mike does all this stuff, so I don't know. He tells me stuff and I'm like, huh. um, but no, he, he gets all of our stuff uploaded and does all the BMI and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, 
I, that's that's we one have, thing. I we retain all our rights to everything. We own everything. Awesome. That's you awesome. Go, girl. Uh, yeah, it's kind of important. I mean, that was the whole reason why Lycia went away for a while because there was a contract involved, and uh, we stopped doing Lycia. <laughs> Wow. And then once we got out of that contract, it was like, nobody's ever going to own us again. So <laughs> we, um, we sign one-off deals with people. We retain all of our digital rights and we make, you know, we make arrangements like that suit both parties, basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Something Mike gets, Mike gets all the electronic um, distribution stuff going on our side. So it's a lot of work. Yeah, we, I mean, right now, I mean, we're such a young project. We don't, we don't really do any advertising or we, we don't really know that side of the business, which I don't like to think of it as business really, but um, yeah, it's hard. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of nice to, to relate to people with, with your art. Uh, but sure. anyway, I, I just wanted to, I didn't know what y'all use. And uh, I mean, if you're on Spotify, I, I assumed y'all were using a, a much bigger di distribution company or somebody. Yeah, we lucked out. Um... We lucked out with, I guess, probably being at the right place at the right time. And um, yeah, I, I have to say, if I were you, I would definitely get on Bandcamp if you're not on there because I we guess are. Band, yeah, okay, good. Because I was going to say Bandcamp, Bandcamp is fantastic because you have 100% control of your own work. It's like amazing. Yeah. And now they're yeah. even doing like, you know, pressing vinyl and stuff which is really mind-blowing yeah yeah we're on Bandcamp, and we use we use DistroKid, so we're on all of the major streaming platforms with our stuff but we just you know it, so, it works for us it's just an B easy way to get it out bmi that's licensing right yeah that's publishing so okay. um like whenever lycia gets played we get a check for the artist and a check for being the publisher so publish your own work for sure. Like a lot of bands, when they get signed to record labels, the record label will be like, oh, we'll take care of the publishing for you. Yeah. You just well, gave no. them. For, you they, you so, just gave your check to them, basically. So BMI, is, a, is that, is that a, a, I don't know how to put this. Because I want to further what we're doing. You know, I, I, I don't really care about... <sighs> I want to be as sincere and genuine as I can with our project without it being like over the top, you know, advertise here, you know, pattern right. falls and have some crazy like commercial or something, but uh, it would be cool and interesting to, I guess, to get some information on, you know, like the process of, you know, I mean, I can do my own research, of course, but I, I mean, I've heard of BMI and, and, um, but I, I, I assume there's some sort of uh, agreement as far as like a, a percentage, you know, they take or, or, or is it an upfront fee that you pay for? I for I'm, you know what? I don't even, I'm not even hundred percent sure on that because Mike is like, again, Mike handles all of it. Yeah. But, um, all I know is like, if anybody ever wants to use your music for anything, you get a part, they have to pay you to do it. You yeah. know what I mean? And you get, you get a check. So, um, and that's, you know, it's, it's sort of like a copyright, I guess. I sound like an absolute idiot. I should no, know no. this information. No, I should. I really should know this information. I know nothing about 
any of that. So yeah, because I'm like I just come in and sing whenever I'm asked to sing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, it's um. I mean, I'm sure there's a quick Google search and you can get all that information. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But. Yeah, Mike spends a lot of time setting this stuff up. <laughs> he, this whole last week, because we have the new album coming out, and we're like, he's like proofing all the artwork and, you know, picking the colors and listening to all the audio files multiple times and uploading everything to, you know, Bandcamp and, you know, all the publishing and all this stuff. And he's like, finally finished it today. So he's like ready to do absolutely nothing for like yeah. the for un unforeseeable future. But um, yeah, it's a lot of work being in a band. People think it's like, I mean, you could, I suppose you could just have fun doing it and play music with your friends. But if you're trying to be like semi-serious, even semi-serious about it, you know, you think of all the time it takes to record, to mix, to yeah. do all that stuff. And then if you actually want to release it, then you have to do all that side of it. It's yeah. just tons and tons and tons of work. And then like you said about the promotion part of it, if you're not on a record label, and even sometimes if you are on a record label, there's all that work involved in it where, you know, you have to make sure people know your album's coming out. And then if there's press stuff to do and, you know, interviews, I mean, all this stuff takes up time and most of us have day jobs. So you're working your full shift at work and then you're working another full shift on your right. music. And then if you've got children or a wife or a husband and like, you know, any kind totally. of like health Why? issue or, you know, it's like nonstop, basically nonstop work. So uh, you know, I always tell tell people I work three jobs. I have my my day job, my music job, and my writing job, and then and then I threw this podcast into the mix, which I completely enjoy. This is sort of my like escapism, <laughs> but it is also a job because I have to upload all this stuff and you know whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it's a lot of work. Are you gonna? Then I'm like confused why I'm tired. <laughs> 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 Is your anyway. is your son is your son into music at all? You know he's he is, but he's nine. So like he likes music, but it's not like his passion or something. At nine years old, he's more he'll he's more into like you know Godzilla and Minecraft and you know DC stuff and whatever. But um, it's funny because <laughs> Mike was telling Mike uh, works four day week, so he has every Friday off and. Mike was like, I had my first real conversation about UFOs with Dirk today. So I'm like, okay, he's taking, he's taking after our, uh, our stuff. But I mean, he, he's got album credits. He's been on a couple of the releases. He was, uh, he loves soft kill. Um, he really likes soft kill. And uh, that was really fun. We got to take him to see them um, a couple years ago now. And it was like his first concert and they gave him a shout out from stage and everything and hooked him up with all these vinyl. And it was so cute because I, I think that like, you know, he knows we're in a band. We play music in the house all the time. And he knows, okay, dad's in the studio right now. We've got records hanging on the wall, yada, yada, yada. So he knows like the, the 
he knows technically we're in a band, but I don't think it like kind of clicked to him until we went to that show and he got to hang out with another band and see them on stage and like see what it's all about, like selling merch at the table. And like, I think it, it was kind of like a neat um, eye-opening thing. Like, oh, this is what you guys do. Like, you know, I'm sure yeah. your kid will be the same way. Like, oh yeah, listen to this recording. This is what we do. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I don't know. He's, uh, <laughs> I, it's like one of those things, like I would love for him to be, uh, you know, into music and stuff, but by the same token, he's, he's into what he's into. Whatever. Yeah, Whatever. I wish I could well, he's, young. he's young, so that's fine. Well, what is that light in your background, Josh? Um, I guess I have a, it's just a light. It's just no, shiny. It's wall. that thing beside of it. It looks like a, a sparkly, yeah, that thing. What is that? It's something oh, that's I found, cool. I found that's it cool. at the thrift store. I have no idea what it is, but it's like an angel that has insect wings or something. And it, you know, it looks like it's oh, maybe weird. South American or something. I just, I couldn't resist. So that's I had to get super cool. It's funny because like for here, it looks like a light because it was picking up the light from that other light. Like, what is that? It almost looks like a Christmas tree topper. It, it just looks cool, <laughs> but I have no clue what it, what it really That's is supposed very to be. Cool. Probably is some South American deity or something. We could probably Google search that also. I mean, it's, it's like an angel, but the wings are like insect wings. And I was just thinking, I, I just, I tried looking it up on Google and I couldn't find anything, so. Very cool. Hmm, interesting. Tara, Tara do y'all have a, um, a recording studio in your home or do y'all actually go out to a, outside of your house to record? Or? So we do record in our home, but we don't have a studio. I'm not joking when I tell you that <laughs> when we record, Mike takes the laptop, sticks it on the end of the bed. You were serious mic, about that. <laughs> I wasn't kidding. Puts a mic stand right here and then guitar and whatever he's recording with. So yeah, we don't, we don't have a desk. We don't, I mean, it's literally laptop on the end of the bed and That's whatever awesome. other piece of equipment he's working with. And what? we're still using acid, like, you know. Wow. Yeah. What interface are all you? I, I think I remember that from high school or something. That was a long time. Yeah, long we've been time. using acid this whole time. Yeah. What kind of interface you get, are you? You get results, so be happy for sure. Uh, um, interface. I you're gonna have to teach me what that even is. I don't know. Like what? What do you plug your mic your mic into or? You oh, know, um, I don't know. He has some little box thing that you just plug in. Yeah. I'm telling you. I know like, we're, we're me and Josh kidding. are kind of gearheads, so it, it's just yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> when you asked me about keyboards a million years ago on MySpace, I'm telling you, we literally take cheap stuff. Yeah, make there's, it sound. There's good. nothing expensive. We don't own anything expensive at all. Like I yeah. think Mike's oh. most most expensive guitar was maybe seven hundred dollars. Maybe I don't know. That might be way too. That's probably way too expensive. I don't know. Well, you get you get the good results, and that's really what matters. I mean, what do you do for mastering? Do you, does Mike do the mastering himself, or do you send it off and get somebody else to do it? Uh, so do you know Martin Bose from Attrition? 
I am familiar with attrition. I don't, I don't know the names of the people. Yeah. So Martin, we, we toured with attrition back in the nineties. And of course we're friends with him. And so he does all of our mastering. We did also, we worked with James Plotkin a couple times. Oh, um, wow. That's cool. But um, yeah, he did the uh, first cold vinyl when that came out on Handmade Birds. And then, um, but we've been working with Martin Bose for years now. So um, the cage is the name of his studio. So, yep, Martin. Well, that's cool. He's awesome. And he's a friend, so that makes it even cooler, you know. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're kind of learning how to master right now, which is, I don't think it's, it's too bad right now, but we're definitely in the learning phase. Of, uh, you know, there's some pretty cool VST mastering emulation plugins out there that, you know, they have some masterclass YouTube videos on them. But mm -hmm. You have to have a real particular ear to try to pick up some of uh, how did this compression works in the side chain. And it's just insane. Uh, we both yeah. have good ears, but you have to really train yourself to pay attention to certain things. Yeah, I feel like it's a different beast. I think like mixing, mixing is hard, too. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's been a long time since I had to mix anything, but I just remember at some point it all just, you can't even tell anymore. Like you can't even tell, like they can't tell if this even sounds good anymore. And then you have to <laughs> kind of go away and then come back. Come later, back but, to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it becomes mush after a while. Yeah, but ears... Mike doesn't feel like, um, like he doesn't feel like he has a good mastering ear. So we've, you know, I don't think Mike's ever mastered any of our stuff. I think he's always had somebody else do it. Mm. But um, yeah, Martin, I highly recommend Martin Bose if you if you ever want to have somebody else do it for you. He's very affordable. Definitely interesting. <laughs> I'm like giving him a, a, an ad here. No, he's, <laughs> no, seriously though, he's legit awesome. I mean, he teaches electronic music. He's like a professor of electronic music, so he knows what he's doing of course he's also a legend so it doesn't hurt huh. yeah. awesome yeah so do you so think you'll you... be oh go ahead no it's all right go ahead no i was gonna ask you do you do any drum machine or do you just play real drums all the time uh for uh, me or go jory ahead. go <laughs> um i think yeah it's definitely uh as far as a band effort uh, I always play uh, acoustic drums. Uh, we do add digital drums, but that's always um, Josh. That's his cup of tea for sure. I do have a, a drum machine program. I, I'm gonna have to take that back because I have used it a few times in some of the mixes uh, on our remix album. I used it on quite a few songs, uh, but I, I don't know. I'm not really a programmer. I, I don't know mm -hmm. how to program midi much so i basically i'll find a cool beat i'll take a few things out of the midi process uh, i'll cut and paste i'll move drag and drop different beats here and there but as far as like programming and building a beat and doing all that stuff like that stuff that the rabbit hole is so deep when it goes to yeah. when it comes to mixing and for drums acoustic drums by themselves miking an acoustic drum uh dealing with phasing issues um bleed it's just that's an animal in itself and that's a rabbit hole i've just come to kind of figure out and um 
you know, digital drums sound amazing to me, but that's definitely a rabbit hole I don't care to go into because mixing in itself, that's probably the biggest rabbit hole I get into. And like you said, I, I can mix for a few hours. I'll have to step away from it, come mm -hmm. back to it again. All the adjustments I made before, I'm like, what the F was I thinking? I'm going to have to do this again. Um, you know, and, and, I, and I use good headphones. Uh, mm -hmm. We both use Sonarworks, which is a really good uh, correction or frequency cor correction, uh, room correction software. But I guess the older I get, the more tweaked my ears get over time. So I, I have to step away a lot. Uh, so I, I try to stay away from too many rabbit holes, but I would love to get into the digital realm, but I just, I don't have the time for it. Yeah. Don't you think your ears just get so fatigued after a while? Very much. Yeah. Yeah. Like Mike has tinnitus. So he also has that constant high frequency buzz in his head <laughs> to deal with on top of mixing. So yeah, he'll, he'll have to just like walk away for hours yeah. and come back later because it gets too much but that helps like when i come back and visit like the next day it's 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 it is closer than where i was before but it, it definitely is not where i you know sometimes i'll even go okay that's close it's close i'm gonna, I'm gonna go to bed come back to him like oh, wow and, and I'll, have, I'll spend another hour on it but you know, I'll slowly get it dialed in. That's what he said. That basically, it's it's now on me because I'm still mixing my songs, and uh, but he his has pretty much been done for the last, except for his remix. You know, it's been his songs have been done for the last what week almost, and I'm still finding frequencies that I think are a little harsh or muddy. It's kind of torture, though. It, it really is. is. It's like you could just sit and pick at it and pick at it and pick at it. And then at some point you just get, have to go, okay, this is going to have to be done. <laughs> like it just has to be done. Like, yeah, I go through that with manuscripts and stuff. It's like, I, you just torture yourself over it. Like it's gotta be perfect. It's gotta be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. That's true. That's true. And well, at some point you just have to go, this is it. I'm done walking away. <laughs> uh, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, it is hard. Cause it's your child. It's like, you know, and it's forever. Once it's out, it's done. And yeah. I, it, it, I find also the older I get, the more pressure I feel about it because when you're like 20, you're like, Oh, this is a cool song I'm working on. I'll work on another cool song next week and another one after that and another one after that. And then especially for us, it's like, this could be the last Lycia song we ever do. It could happen. Like this might be it. So there's all this pressure. Like it has to be, like it has to mean something. It has to, like you know, it can't. If this is it, it yeah. can't just be some dribble that I spent 15 minutes working on, or you know what I mean, whatever. That's what, but. That's what my buddy tells me. He says, "Look, if you're gonna put something out, you got to make." It, it's funny though. I tell Josh this all the time. My best friend Tony Joe is lead guitar player for Gauntlet's Kiss. Incredible. Uh, human being and musician but uh we have probably 20 songs we wrote together and not one of them he wants to put out they're just not done yet they're not ready yet yeah. and they're good they're good songs you know i'm like we don't play together anymore he's moved back to california uh but but it's nice that you know josh and i have this you know we do work and tweak songs to a point but we definitely get to where we're like okay it's done that's now I'll, it's it's funny i'll send a, i'll send an idea that we did to tony joe it's every idea and he'll say dude you got to do this to it or try this with it or 
and he'll pick it apart and it's good. He's all good ideas, but I'm like, man, if we do all these things, you know, it's like, I don't think we'll ever get anything done. Just like the, some of the, you know, some of the project we did, it, we just never finished anything. Yeah. Polished yeah, it up and we released it. Yeah. You, 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 can't, you can't let the, the perfect be the enemy of good. Like, like, you know, like I, I think that's enough is enough. Like, at, at some point it's good enough and no no amount of gold plating is really gonna just you know i don't know like I, I can hear professionally produced songs and i can hear like pops in the vocals or like yeah. something's wrong that i would have fixed and i'm just thinking you know what at some point you just got to put it out and just, it's it's creating art for me it's just creating art and putting it out that's just that's really just all it is and so i mean yeah. it's just you can gold plate get it to where you're happy with it but like you know, I don't know. Well, that, that's that's one thing I think that was captured in the, I guess the the My Bloody Valentine, that Loveless album. Uh, you know, so many people I talked to say that was like an amazing produced album when they listen to it. I listen to it, and it's a beautiful album, but I, I can't find the production quality in it. But I I, th I think that um, there's something about, for example, a lot of the post punk bands. And, 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 you know, when you when you get deep into something, it's uh, all about the feel and the writing. Once you once you have that rawness uh, of just the energy and the, and the feel of it, once you start overproducing it, you kind of yeah. lose that. That's that exactly feel. how I feel. I think that um, I would rather have something have imperfections to it and be full of like inner like full of personality. Feeling. Yeah. Instead of, you know, it, it, and it goes back to. Like if you take vocalists, one person might have like superior, superior vocals. They have all the skill, they have, you know, perfect pitch. Technically they're a better singer, but this other person has all this passion and like sometimes their voice isn't perfect, but yeah. it has all this emotion where, you know, it's kind of like the choir girl versus like the Janet Joplin, like which one yeah, has Bob a Dylan. bigger impact yeah. on you? Yeah, exactly. Like totally. To me, I would rather hear a record where maybe the guitar is slightly out of tune on one part, but it's a kick in the gut yeah. than some perfectly produced, everything's immaculate, everything, and, and but it's like listening to a Tide commercial, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no i'm not gonna lie there, like, there's some great production records where i listen to it go just because I, I i get deep into that rabbit hole and i understand sure. what it takes to get to that type of production like i know it's an art i know it's a passion so when i hear great production like steve albini you know i hear these things of you know i know these are really great ideas and how he captured these sounds is amazing um but there's something really credible about listening to um rawness I, I, and i totally get that yeah. and that's one thing i loved about a lot of the swan stuff too a lot of it was just raw just dissonant chords and just right. i don't know man it's, but uh, there there's there's for me anyway there's there's uh there's two sides to it but i i can i can get into this and i can get into that yeah i mean obviously if you're gonna put out professional music you have to have, you, you have to have some professionalism about it like you can't just put out garbage that, yeah. you know, it's a great song, but it's recorded so poorly, you're distracted by that, you know, yeah, but there, totally. there is that, it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier with equipment. There's a person that can't record until they get that, you know, $3,000 keyboard and 
um, they, they have to get this piece of equipment, that piece of equipment. Meanwhile, they haven't actually done anything. And then there's the person that has their guitar that their mom got them from Kmart or wherever, and their amp that their friend down the street's mom got them for Christmas. And they're recording albums, and it, it might not, not be perfect, but they're doing something. Yeah. You know? There's, there's got to be that kind of happy medium where you either you you take yourself seriously but not too seriously <laughs> kind yeah, of thing totally. yeah, yeah you can lose yourself in that for sure there's there's definitely an unromantic part of that job uh, especially for when you sure. get into like overproducing and mixing and engineering and there, there there's definitely a quality but at the same time you're trying to capture the lush you're trying to capture the warmth right. and, and uh, you you want to best display the mood as close to possible as you can especially since exactly. we're not playing live like me and josh we don't play live we don't sit in a room together and create songs we we send files back and forth we build music this way which being unorganic like that it's really hard to create an organic sound um, when you're in a room together you can hash out ideas left and right and and build something pretty organic because you're you're sort of um in a linear transition as far as like going off the ideas over and over and over and you, you kind of build off these ideas but when you're sending ideas back and forth it's like well we can go this direction or we can go this direction i guess you can do it both ways i i guess I'm, i might be contradicting you know, myself we're, we're studio gangsters like easy e would say <laughs> for sure yeah. yeah i mean i feel like there's definitely room for both um because there is something to be said for being able to just um be in the studio and share files like that because he might give you something that you weren't expecting and, and, and it takes you in a direction that you wouldn't have gone in. But there is also the, something we said for that sitting in a room together, like, you know, a couple of the songs we've recently recorded were just Mike sitting, watching TV and like noodling around on his acoustic guitar and then me hearing a melody and singing along with it as I'm reading a book. And that's how, the, you know, some of our newer songs were created. But by the same token, we also share files back and forth. So he'll send me a song. I mean, we live in the same house. <laughs> he sends me the song as an MP3 and says, here's your song, work on it. I mean, we do the same with Dave Gallus, with John Fair. It's like, that's one of the beauties of the world right now is you can... Yeah pretty much work with anybody. I just got to work with Ice on. Talk about torture. I tortured myself on that song mentally. But <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, it's so cool. Like, I love the fact that you can basically work with anybody. But there is something to be said for that whole hanging out in the garage and yeah, the old know. days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what that was a question I was going to ask is, uh, are there any bands that or any person that you would uh, love to or desire to collaborate with that you haven't collaborated you know I don't know like I'm I collab with a lot of people um I, I don't actively think that way um no not really I mean people can ask me <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to like uh, <laughs> back off a little bit on that because it is it's I mean it stresses me out because I it, 
time constraints and everything and whatever but like yeah I mean I can think of some people I would like to work with but I don't throw those things out because I don't want to like put any weird pressure on anybody or or anything like that I'm pretty pretty happy with the with the people I've been able to collaborate with um I'm very fortunate uh, that I've gotten to work with a lot of really legitimately awesome people. So, what are some of your favorites? Or favorite? um, so I really loved the dirge track that I did. Um, it's super cool to me to get to do really heavy music because I was I'm in this band that's sort of known for like ethereal kind of you know dark wave whatever, and I actually. Uh, I'm like you mentioned Cocteau Twins earlier and people always assume I'm like a Cocteau Twins fan but I'm more of like Godflesh Swans like Godflesh is good I like them yeah Yeah, so like I tend to prefer heavier music so when I got to work with like Dirge and Typo Negative and um, you know some of that stuff like that's exciting to me because it's different than ethereal dark wave type stuff um i i just i mentioned ice on i just did that track with ice on um that was like that song is so freaking beautiful it hurts my heart it's so pretty so uh um, what i'm gonna listen to this after we get off by the way is it uh is it uploaded to pretty much all the it uh it hasn't been released yet okay so that record's not out yet you can find dirge i sang on the song venus claws and um of course, typo negative. I did Halloween in Heaven with them, and then I've done I've done some side projects. I did a side project called Secondary Nerve with, um, uh, if you guys know Danielle uh, Sarah, he's an illustrator, really amazing artist. We did a project together. Um, I did a side project with Timothy Renner, um, Black Happy Day, which is more of sort of a folk, apocalyptic bluegrass, weird thing um so yeah i've gotten to do a lot of and i'm i'm sure i'm probably offending somebody from not mentioning hmm. projects that that's probably probably a, an, an, an odd question i just we're i mean for me anyway i mean i'm still sort of a baby in all this right so i mean there's a lot of people i'd love to collaborate with yeah like i mean i would love to do something with jarbo someday but you know I'm not gonna, I, I just, I feel like she's such a god that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I doubt I'm she just, feels that way. Just even being, you know, her friend on a casual level is, <laughs> I think I'm overstepping my boundary. You could be the person that holds the umbrella for when she gets yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. She's so nice. And it's so funny because we did a show together. And I didn't even talk to her hardly at all. It was such a weird night. Um, it was a book release thing we did in Los Angeles. And like, she was there. Monica Richards was there. Eva O was there. Um, who else? Um, Sorrow was there. Veronica Sorrow. And it was such a, a weird night because they put me at the merch table outside so I couldn't even like watch the show. And then I was so like, oh my God, it's Jarbo that I barely said like two words to her. And now I'm like, you stupid idiot. Like, 
was such a weird thing but but you got to say so much between uh, letters back and forth though, yeah right? that's what's stupid like we've written like letters and emails and all this stuff and then we're right there and i'm like hiding yeah it's weird <laughs> yeah that's weird it's 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 like the, the thing going back to being trying to be yourself and, and just kind of letting that but, but I know if I met Robert Smith, I'd just be a total clam. I, I, I don't I don't I'm even want to meet him because I feel <laughs> like because it's so what would I say? Yeah. Like, what could I possibly say that he hasn't heard 10 trillion times? He doesn't need to hear me go. You're awesome. Like he's heard it a trillion times. So I just feel like I would end up standing there staring at him like a weirdo. Hmm. you know which i probably do to everybody anyway but <laughs> just stand there staring at him like a weirdo well know. so do you think that you'll you guys will play any live shows anytime when the pandemic like settles down or whatever <sighs> it's like one of those things that we torture ourselves with all the time like we want we want like in theory it sounds fantastic in theory that sounds like a good idea and then when we start thinking of the logistics of it and like considering we get like anxiety taping a show in our own house it's like one of those things that it sounds fun in practice but not so much in practice so I think I mean is there a possibility of it happen happening I'd say there's a better chance of it happening now than there was five years ago but um I don't know it's well if you possible. want if you play if you play in DC you can always stay at our place for that free. would be awesome we played D, uh we played not DC we played um where did we play did we play DC I don't think so we played Baltimore a million years yeah, that, ago that's that's basically right here in our backyard. yeah we played some interesting place that was like a brewery slash record store slash diner gotta make their money it was an interesting place we do you remember that band sidal s-i-d-d-a-l mm -mm. they played with us that night that was a weird show because it was like broad daylight too if i remember correctly it's very did, did you people ever are shopping in, did you ever play in philadelphia for here because it seems like yeah. all the bands they all go through philadelphia like skinny puppy gary newman like all the big yeah all the we like, played philadelphia quite a few times we played trocadero twice with typo negative no we played once with typo negative we played a project festival at trocadero we played two sh different shows, and I don't know, I don't remember the name of the clubs, but if you know Dancing Ferret Productions, do you know him? He's the guy that put on our shows, but we played, we played, we played four times in Philadelphia. I've, I've been to the Trocadero. I, I think it might be closed now, though, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no way. That was a great club to play. It was a, they always had, um, I don't know, it was just a comfortable place to play. Yeah, so that was funny. Uh, we did that typo tour, and, <laughs> and by the end of it, we were pretty much like um, numb to getting like yelled at. And so the last 
the, I think it was, I think Trocadero was the last set, the last show of that tour. And there were these two guys standing right sort of in front of me in the crowd, like yelling and like being complete jackasses the entire time. And so Mike took our smoke machine and aimed it directly at their faces and like never let off the button the entire time. So they were just getting like nonstop smoke machine in their face. And then after the set, I went out into the crowd to watch another band or something. And these two guys come up to me and they're like, hey man, you know, typo negative, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you were just yelling at me like five seconds ago that you were going to kill me. And what? <laughs> now you want to be my friend, <laughs> like whatever. It was so wow. weird. That was a weird tour. So what else you guys got going on? You guys were friends in high school, correct? We were. They're older than I am. Yeah, we, we, I was in a band and we needed a drummer and they like, so one of our bandmates found Jory at his school and brought him over. And so, yeah, we started doing music back then and then kind of had our own lives for the few years after that. And then now we've been working on just non-stop working on lots of music for the last couple of years and we've put out a lot under the under the names pattern false and hex forms mm -hmm. um i've put out some stuff under it's called like a human eye that's sort of my outlet for like ambient experimental type stuff i guess um but that we've we have the the cover album that jory's finishing right now and that's that's going to go on Bandcamp soon, I guess, and then it'll go on all the other platforms just however long it takes because they're all cover songs, so it takes a few extra days to do all their yeah. like, royalties or whatever. And then we have this, the set of songs. It's gonna, it's, an album is going to be called Monochrome Reflections, and it's a, it's all just really cut and dried, like post-punk style, nothing. It's just really straight. Every song ends kind of abruptly, you know, like it's no fade outs or any crazy production tricks or anything. And that's kind of what we got going on. Um, we're oh. just hard at work on that stuff. Yeah. I have a lot of ideas for this piano solo thing, but I'm going to have to, I have a new career. I'm trying to get off the ground and, and um, it's just taking a lot of time to, to focus on that. And, but anyway, uh, yeah, I want to. I want to. I, I have a concept album, piano album. I want to do where it's kind of sort of every song starts off kind of dark and kind of alone or desolate feeling, and then, but at the end of every song, there's some sort of recovery melody. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to have because because I, I I do find a lot of beauty in darkness, yeah. uh, so I do love a lot of songs that I that I run across that have this transition. For example, Godspeed, you Black Emperor, the kind of a ambient post rock band and they have a lot of really cool recovery feelings in, the, in their in their writing that I that I always you know a lot of it's dark ambient and just real spacey then they'll have this like groove they get into and so anyway I, a little bit of my inspiration came from that um but yeah yeah that's that's sort of the concept behind it and I want to have Josh do a lot of the ambient work behind behind it and I want to include some sort of samples and dialogue in it, which Josh is pretty particular on that stuff. So I want to kind of give him the the reins to, to find the dialogue or 
whatever small dialogue we can find. I, I love samples. Like any song I hear with a like good sample, I really think it's strong. So that's cool. Yeah. And I, I have another, it's kind of a, I don't know if I would call it a side project, but it's a friend who it's really more of his project and I just kind of helped him out. He's in a, he's in a black metal band that's kind of well known and he has a side project. And so, he, and that's all just heavy, basically a lot of like metal styles, but he, and he actually does most of the drum programming and all the guitars and the screaming and everything. Really good. And I'll do, I'll do like synth stuff, like atmospheric synth stuff, or he'll, he'll let me, I'll contribute some songs and it'll be mostly like sort of kind of skinny puppy style, like just really aggressive electronic stuff. And, mm -hmm. and, but it's, that's more of like, I'm kind of supporting. I'm not really, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, we create like some of the songs are just all my ideas, but I'm just kind of supporting that, I guess. But the, but, but yeah, so that's, we have a bunch of different influences and sounds that we appreciate, I guess, and it works pretty well. Sounds like you guys have tons of stuff going on. <laughs> maybe, maybe too much to really focus on the, the better. Uh, sometimes I think that maybe there's something we should focus on 100% uh, as far as music. I mean, I don't know. Um, like as far as me wanting to do a, a solo piano album, I don't know if that's really just me needing my my sort of outlet or therapy, you know, but because um, at the same time, I really enjoy what Josh does. And yeah. uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if a, if a solo album or, or, you know, it'll still be under pattern falls, but I don't know if that's really necessary, but I love playing piano and I don't find a lot of a lot of um, opportunities for what we're doing for me to really write piano uh, mm. stuff or add piano parts to so. yeah so my advice would be instead of looking at it as doing an album just do one song yes because if you put so much pressure i mean and this is advice mike had give had to give himself because it was always like the next album the next album the next album and yeah. then he finally was like with Bandcamp. You can just do one song at a time. You don't have to think of it as an entire album. You can just do one song. So That's just true. Do one song, and then if one song turns into two songs, to three songs, to four, then you know. Yeah. But don't put so much like pressure to. It has to be a whole album, you know. No, that's a, that's a brilliant idea. Song. Because I know it would take me ten years to do this album the way I want it done. So. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> That, that is the way a lot of artists do it, like SoundCloud or Bandcamp. They'll just put one song out and yeah. it's like... Do a single. <laughs> yeah. And, and really, after so many years, after you get 10 of them together, you do a compilation of them. Right. Totally. Yeah, totally. It, it is... Um, I mean, our, our new album, Casa Luna, started off... We were doing a split seven inch with somebody. That's how it started off. And then there was delays. And so in the delays, Mike came up with another song and then another song and then you know so it ended up turning into an ep but um you know but but he does the same thing like he gets into this mindset of like the next album and then he has to check himself like no yeah. it doesn't have to be a whole album it can just be one song at a time it can and it sort of makes it i think more fun and and a lot less pressure than you know and another thing that helps too is that because music isn't like our um job anymore 
it takes a lot of the pressure off of that too because you don't have to like worry quite so much about you know this has to sell and it has to you know we have to tour with it and we have to do this and this and this yeah. it's like well we can release it if we want or we can just put it up for free on Bandcamp. like it doesn't it can be it can be satisfying either way you know what i mean like totally yeah just sharing just sharing what you do or whatever i was you know i was funny i was talking to mike about this last night actually I, what is this need that people like us have that somebody else has to hear what we do or read what we do or it's whatever related. like it, it's it's so it's so ego and in a weird way like we almost be narcissists to some degree well let me ask this question let me ask this question okay I've thought about this many times over and I've had this conversation many times, but I really think we were built to, to relate to, 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 to experience life with another person. I, I think mm. that we were made to share our feelings. I think we were made to offload those things. You know, I, mm. I, I, and I don't think it's selfish. I, I think that uh, it, it's all about, I don't know. This is very, very deep. I mean, really, if you want to get to thinking about it, but I think a person living alone by themselves their whole life, it's, it's a really hard concept to think about. Like it's way more romantic to think about somebody bonding with somebody and being able to relate to somebody rather than somebody keeping to their self their whole life and not really relating and, and building or learning off somebody. But, but, but even making music and being able to relate to somebody or somebody being able to say, you know what? that's a pretty interesting concept or idea. Uh, but this is my idea. And I hear this from my buddy all the time. It, it always has, it's something you can give him and he can get inspired off something you get him to have a better idea. It's like, wow, that's a great idea. I never thought about that. And me and Josh do this all the time. I'll send him an idea. He goes, you know what? That sounds cool, but try this. I'm like, okay, I've offloaded this idea or this feeling to you. You related to it enough to build this other idea. And now we have a better concept. Anyway, yeah. it's uh, yeah, I, 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 I have, a, I have a, a, a slightly different take on it. And one is that, yes, what Jury said, like connecting, even, even if finding one person, like where you're working on something together, that's, that's an audience. That's somebody who cares about what you're doing. But part of me also just sees it like it's not so much other people hearing because I mean, so many, I mean, everybody is making music now. Like, you know, it's your chances of like, connecting with a lot of people out there are kind of low, like unless you're kind of an established act or something. But I kind of look at it as like, I think Carl Jung talked about individuation where you you have to like build your universe throughout your life and create. And the act of creating is how you sort of define yourself and become your whole self. And like Terrence McKenna said that a musical note isn't really fully defined until it stops playing. And like you want to create and just put out and express throughout your life, kind of like Edward Caspell says, sing while you may. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not so, to me, it's not so much like, I want people to hear my brilliance or something. Like, I, yeah, I, I like stuff that I've done. I like the stuff we do and I'm, I'm proud of it. But people might hear it or they might not, but it's part of the creative process of like individuation and creating my universe like it's like i i have to create and make things and it's just part of that like building your full self into your 
like, you know, so that you've built this full universe. I say with Lycia, you guys have done it. Like you've made this complete, like, you know, you have this proud, like catalog. You can definitely, you've expressed yourself in a very focused way. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. And, so, and like you said earlier too, uh, uh, Tara, is that that's one of the bands that have inspired you. And I don't, I don't see that as, you know, self or self-loathing or something like that this this is something that has created something uh revolutionary inside your soul you know it's not necessarily hey look at me look at what i've done but it's made you grow as a person you've been able to self-reflect through the whole process i'm sure and you've become a not necessarily just a better person but probably a better musician overall and just a a better thinker you know it's i don't know i think art in that retrospect you know especially i don't know i'm not going to go on it's just such a strange thing because if it, you know, you think about it, it's like if it's purely for the love of creating, you should be able to do it whether anybody listens to it or reads it. But but you you instinctively want other people to relate to it. So it's a, it's just a strange thing. Like it it's obviously an extension of your ego, not in a bad way. Some for some people it probably is in a bad way, yeah, but yeah. it's just such a like you're crying out into the void, hoping that somebody echoes back to you or something. You yeah. know, it's such a strange thing, but it is. It's like if you know, you, if you're purely doing it for the art of it, you should be able to do it and listen to it yourself in your house and be content. But that's just not how it works. Which I you know do, I mean? by the way. But but I do have. <laughs> that, that's but it's different. <laughs> but it's different because you still like, you still. I mean, first of all, if you guys are doing music together, you're sharing it with each other. So yeah, you already have that connection to you. But it's such a it is it's such a strange thing. Like, you know, you spend all these hours and hours and hours recording and like crafting the right words and the right melodies and all this stuff and I, I feel like it, it, you want somebody to pat you on the back maybe or <laughs> it, it's it's, just, it's a weird thing it's a, it's definitely a weird thing i have a, a, a little analogy here so if if you have a passion for something and i and i and i love this about pretty much anybody i meet if somebody's passionate about something i'm pretty much sold if you're passionate yeah. about going fishing i don't fish but if you want to tell me about fishing and the rod you use, and I know this is a crazy, I mean, I don't fish. I don't know why I just brought fishing up, <laughs> but it's like, you know, if you're so into it, you know what, I'll go with you one day. Let's try it. You know, yeah. it, but it's, it's it, I think that's one thing about music. You put so much passion and heart into it that, um, yeah, I can see it as being selfish in a sense that you want somebody to patch on. I get that hundred percent, but I think most of it for me anyway, is it's just like, Knowing that somebody, just like you said, like, uh, I think we had a conversation earlier. We were talking about music and, 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 and how dark swans were and that there's mm -hmm. actually people that actually understand or relate to that feeling. Right. Um, and it, being able to meet people that relate to your, whether it comes across genuine to some or not, we hope, or I hope it comes across genuine to at least someone, you right. know, in the sense that art is so personal yeah, you can create a song, you can create it in a, in a, in a, in a formula where it sells or this and that, but that is definitely a different type of drive. But when I, when I write on piano, I, I'm definitely pouring my heart out 
And right. it's almost like I'm, I'm wanting to talk to somebody, but through notes. You know, right. I want to talk to somebody. I want somebody to sort of uh, unravel that um, that language, you know, and and and, yeah. and sort of interpret it. Uh, I don't know. It's a strange it, it's a, thing. Yeah, it is strange. I agree with you. Because, like, it, you know, and I don't mean like pat on the back, like "good job, kiddo," or nothing like that. <laughs> but just, just like some sort of like, I'm not wasting my life. Like this was yeah. <laughs> this wasn't all this wasn't all in vain. Like this, you know, I didn't just spend you know three years writing this book as some frivolous thing of time wasting. I don't know. <laughs> you know totally. what I mean? Like, it's weird, but but I it's think it's such a strange thing. I think people are ego driven. Like you said earlier, it's not necessarily a negative thing. I think yeah. we, we do want to relate to our neighbor. We want to relate to people that feel the same, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We like want to make find your tribe. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think creating is it's it's the way you do magic and magic is how you influence the world around you. And it's yeah. I, I, kind of, I read this it's a alien conspiracy theory about how the gray aliens they don't have they can't imagine so that's why they come and abduct people or something i don't know it's, it was really it's hilarious I saw it, but i was like poor things but i was thinking like <laughs> like just the act of creating and that's building, kind of interesting you know just the act of creating is is like a magical ability that a lot of people don't really use and using that as a way of like building yourself up so even if yeah, you're not. We're we're not going to be selling out like any kind of arenas or anything tomorrow. Right. It's like, but creating like I I want to create stuff that I like and I like to put it out just because. I mean, yeah, no, maybe three people will know about it. That's fine. I don't care. But I have a lot of CDs in my collection that are really just obscure. Like maybe only a hundred of them were printed or something by some random obscure person who made this kind of noise ran you know kind of experimental thing i don't know who the person is and i have some of these that have just touched me and i'm thinking i can't tell that person you did good or like this was like really meaningful to me but they made a connection like they put it out like we send signals out into the into the universe and we don't think anybody's yeah. going to get it but maybe in a million years somebody will yeah. pick up like a recipe totally. for something it'll be oh cool that's like somebody's that's a tv show or that's something you know and if there's a little bit of that weird you know it's, it's kind of cool i don't know no that's, yeah. that's interesting so back to that alien conspiracy theory i want to talk about that because i'm that's fascinating to me so the theory is that they don't have imaginations well so, i don't know if you ever i don't know if you ever listen to art bell or any stuff like that but like yeah. i think i I think I saw a, a documentary. It was like some kind of alien documentary. I, I can't remember where I saw it, but the, basically the theory was that the grays, the aliens that have the big black eyes, like yeah. they they have they are on the verge of collapse in their dimension or wherever they live because they and they don't have the ability to create. They can't create things, so they'll come to us mm. like to I've also heard that theory about the DMT machine elves. Like you go into that dimension, and I have too, yeah. And the elves, they can't create, and you can. So like when you're there, and you can create things. That, you know, it's it's just fun stuff to think about. You know, I but, love that kind of stuff. So that's super fascinating to me. So, huh? My question would be: Well, if they can't create anything, how did they come up with like spacecrafts and like 
they stole them. <laughs> I, I just I think the power to create is one that a lot of people don't use, and it's uh, it's like a magical ability that enhances yourself. And that's one thing that um, you know a lot of people tend to put like creative people on sort of a pedestal a lot of times, and I find that ridiculous because to me the difference between people that create things and people who don't are the people who don't don't think they can. I personally think that everybody is 100% capable of writing a song or painting or whatever, writing a story, writing a poem. But I think that people are told that they can't do it. And so they get it in their head that they can't do it and then they can't do it. I can see that. Um, do, do you ever think, and, and look, I'm, I'm not either one way or the other with it, but yeah, uh, I, I I always wonder this, by the way, uh, if there is a more left side and a more right side of thinking mm -hmm. of the brain, you know, I mean, I've heard this my whole life, you know, where some people are more creative mm -hmm. and, and uh, some people, you know, when they're and they say you can pick up on these things when they're young, just by the way they they react to certain sure. know, certain things. Um, so, uh, I mean, I would say if I was asked my opinion, I would, I would think that there are more, some that are more creative thinkers out there. I would lean more that way. Some are more like, I don't know, more uh, specific in the way, um, for example, like I can drive the same street 20 times and not know my direction or the street or watch my surroundings, except for, of course, I pay attention to traffic and I'm good at like right. being safe. Right. Um, but I'm definitely... You know, I've been in the car with people that are just, they know everything to a T, the, the restaurant they pass, this and that, uh, right. which, which I admire stuff like that. You know, right. how do you know, how, how do you remember stuff like how do you, but my mind is always in a different place, not in a bad way, but I know there's, there's people out there that think a little different, sure. and, and it, it, but I think everybody's capable of doing the same thing, but I think there might be people that are more prone to catching on. Faster. Yeah, but I think that there, you know, there's different approaches to doing the same thing. It's, uh, you can get to the same point by five different directions. So, you know, Mike is like a really mathematical minded person. He's very sciencey, mathematics, and I'm completely the opposite of that. But yet we can write a, you know, write a song together from different approaches. So I think that I think that, you know, there's just different ways of doing the same thing. So somebody might create something in a different way, like than the other person, like the person that sees everything on the way from point A to point B. And then the person that's all in their head the whole time thinking about <laughs> this, that, and the other, yeah. you can still both create something. They're just going to be different. Yeah. So totally. You know, I, I, I mean, I just think that I just think that a lot of people are taught, you know, we all had art class as little kids and like you had coloring books and you had all this stuff and everybody had to take music class and you sang your little songs and you did all this stuff. And then at some point people tell you you're not a good artist or your voice isn't good right. or, you know, that's childish. Don't do, you know, or any, and I think that a lot of people are sort of um, deterred from being creative people. So, 
I just, I personally think that if, if people would drop the inhibition of it, because for some reason it's intimidating for somebody to say, I'm going to write a story. Like that's intimidating for some reason. I don't know why you don't have to sh ever show anybody, but it, it's, I feel like everybody has the propensity to be creative in one way or the other. It's that they maybe told themselves they can't do it. Yeah, I agree with that. Also, people are probably getting lazier with like convenience now because remember back when you were 16 or so, like how hard was it to discover and find like all the good music? Like, oh, you know, man. yeah, especially in rural like, Ohio. <laughs> if, I, if, if, I, if I was in a CD store and I found a, a current 93 CD, maybe I would pay $40 for it and I would, it'd be a miracle. I'd be like, wow, like. I, I'm never going to find this again if I don't buy it right now. Like, if you even knew who they were, because I mean, at that time, if you didn't know somebody who taught you something, because it wasn't like you could go on the internet and be exposed to things, if you didn't accidentally somehow get exposed to something through either somebody else or a random thing at a CD store, you know? Yeah. You just didn't know about it. I mean, yeah, and it was kind of esoteric. Like I like Coil. Their manifesto talks about how they want to make dangerous music when they started, and music really was dangerous. Like you know, it just felt like there was a danger for a little bit, and it, and some of that stuff really was esoteric, and you really had to know about it and be looking for it, or it was going to go right. right past you. you know? Right, completely, completely. Like, and I just, I mean. You know, The Cure was an easy band to come across because they had top 40 songs. Yeah. But Swans, never would have heard of them if I hadn't met somebody that was a Swans fan. Right. You know, like some of those bands like Death in June, Current 93, all that stuff I, I learned about because I met people that knew about them. And, you know, it's not like you can just randomly pick a band out of the air and be like, Oh, current 93. You had to get exposed to it at some point by somebody yeah. at that, at that time. I mean, now you can just, man, everybody's got a playlist and you can find good music, like so easy. There's almost like too much. Like I give up trying to even like get to know all of it. Cause there's so, like legit so yeah. many good bands that it's just overwhelming. Like, I just, you don't even know where to start with it. There's so much good. It's kind of like, that's how I am with comic books. Like, I want to be into comic books so bad, but there's so much <laughs> comic books that it's like, where do you even start? I don't even, where do you start? There's, there's so much that it's just like ridiculously overwhelming. And so I just don't. And then it's the same thing with like, you know, everyone's like, have you watched this TV show? Have you checked out this movie? And I'm like, I know I would love it if I watched it, but like, there's so much stuff that I know I would like that I just end up don't watching any of it because there's just so much, it's overwhelming. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I feel the same way. Yeah, it's crazy. And I end up just, I, I don't know, you guys are like me, creatures of habit or whatever, but I end up just watching the same stuff over and over and over. <laughs> I'm like that with music. Like I, yeah. I still listen to the same like like ten albums, and I've been trying to break it up a little bit more. I, I mean, my my iTunes has like twenty four thousand songs or so on it, Holy and then cow. I have a, a a different 
you know, a collection of CDs I haven't uploaded to my, but anyway, I put it on shuffle every now and then just to let it just remind me of certain music I haven't heard in, in forever, which, yeah. you know, it's, it's well, refreshing. I, yeah, sometimes. Like that. I have certain music that is formative and it's, it's an important, like part of my myth, like, like of my world and like some Harold Budd songs, like a lot of his stuff. I've heard all of his albums probably a thousand times by now, but I still listen to them all, all over, yeah. like repeatedly. I could be exploring new music in the time I'm spending on that, but I, I'd rather not. But yeah. I, I do explore new music for sure. And there is a lot of good stuff that's a ton of it. Yeah, that is funny, though. We just sort of end up being creatures of habit. Um, you know, like you'll watch the same TV series over and over and over, or the same movies, because you know the re you know the emotional result you're going to get when you watch it. So that's you know you're it's going to yeah, you know it's going to be satisfying. You know you're going to like it, and you don't want to waste your time potentially getting let down by something else. Okay, yes. one quick question: what what one song in your life has changed? Like your point, like just, just your, like was kind of a revelation in your, I'll, I'll start with, with, with mine. Um, mine was Tear Garden, Me and You and Rainbows. I was on shrooms one, one night listening to the song and it was the most amazing euphoric experience in my life. Still that yeah. one song I can listen to and still feel the same way every time. I love so many songs out there, but that one song is, is this like, the most imprinted in my head that'll, that'll ever be, I think. I don't think any song will ever replace that. Yeah. Anyway, do you have a song like that that's sort of given you a, a, an imprint that you think is one of the most powerful songs? That's so I, I have two. And, and um, I mean, of course, there's so many songs that evoke certain feelings that, uh, yeah, whatever. But these two actually literally changed my life. So the first one's Love Song by The Cure. Completely changed me as a human being. Amazing. Um, it just, something about that song struck me before that. I didn't really care much about music. I mean, it was just kind of background, whatever. Um, that song changed me as a human being. And then the next one is Gotta Be Ionia. Because that song made me hunt Mike down. <laughs> I mean, that whole album, cool. that whole album. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it just uh, a friend of mine, a pen pal, sent me that cassette, a uh, dubbed copy of it, popped it in. It just changed my entire world. So, you yeah, know, um, amazing. But of course, there's a million songs that have such an impact on you that yeah i feel the same way you know it's so so many of them you know specific moments if you if you're feeling a specific kind of emotional way you know that you got to go listen to that song or whatever there's just there's just so many of them yeah but those Don't... two songs actually directly impacted who i am as a human being what about you josh that's a, almost an impossible question to answer, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, there there are a few Cocteau Twins songs that I would consider like the apex of like what a band can do, like as a band, to, like the, the heights that you can reach with emotion to where it's almost like 
you know, you're like, how, like you, you know, yada. So anyway, there are a few that, a few of them that, you know, that fit that category, but there's a, like, when I think of like, like extremely profound audio music, I always think of stuff like Soviet France or Rapoon or the stuff where it's like, more like making a sound collage or some kind of universe like i don't know if either of you really listen to rapoon or, or zoviet france but i there are some of some of their some of that robin story is the main guy but some of his stuff and stuff that's along those lines like i have really strong emotional attachments to because it feels like it's sort of this primitive like it's like primitive but it's like alien at the same time and it's just really you know i don't know but i really couldn't nail down like a specific song where I remember remember my life before and after that song. You, you mentioned Tear Garden. The To Be an Angel Blind album is definitely amazing. One yeah. of my top albums of all time by anybody, um, for sure. That's one of the top ones. Um, the How Job '99 is another like top album of any any that anybody's ever done. You know, I have a, I have a small handful of like albums, I guess, that are like. Mm perfection you know where i just i can't remember what it was like to i wish i'd known about it sooner like stuff like that but yeah i do have one album like disintegration i think changed my life like the whole album that was definitely the uh the apex of the cure as far as emotion and like what i was going through at the time i could identify with pretty much every song and the same deep water as you is still my favorite cure song today yeah it's a great song It's, it's amazing like this this uh uh, kiss me goodbye like I know, this, it's so um, it's freaking yeah, amazing so like beautiful yeah it is so weird how just you know anybody else saying that it just wouldn't sound the same right. something about like, like like i said earlier something about him saying it his voice the, sounds like it's so aching you know it's yeah, like exactly you really yeah. feel that you feel what that feels like yeah you can just sure. hear yeah you can just and he can make his aching. guitar talk i swear like peter yeah. Brown can do it but Robert Smith can actually like he, he, he had this, well uh, for for that album he had this he had this like jazz master guitar and he had a special like pickup or something that he had put into it and in interviews he would say it was like just some piece of crap he found and he was going to use it or something like he he downplayed it but I think he specifically sought out like a specific component to put on it because it gives it sort of that that plasticky like it's almost like a like an oriental type instrument but it's really a guitar and it's it's because of the instrument the way it was put together and i don't think that you can it was like a one-off thing i don't think you can really easily replicate that sound guitar sound amazing every song yeah i'm definitely partial to their more depressing stuff (laughs) me too which is weird which i you know my wife she she doesn't she doesn't understand uh, that, of course, but um, I, I find depressing music pretty happy, honestly, because it's comforting. It's comforting, it's comforting to me. I agree, and and it's it's like they, like when you said earlier, there's people that kind of live on the surface; they don't really dive mm-hmm. into that real that realness. Mm-hmm. And I think when you when you when you're able to find something or somebody that is able to like be genuine and uninhibited in how they feel and you know, let those mo- emotions kind of circulate how they, and, and especially convey them through an instrument. It's just, it just fucking you know, blows me away. You know what it kind of is? It's like, 
Taylor Swift is the the Kmart version of breaking up with your boyfriend, and Robert Smith is like the high end Salvation Army. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no! Like one of them is like McDonald's, and the other one is like Gordon Ramsay. Like, oh, you're so cute, Taylor Swift. You're so cute with your heartbreak. Now go listen to Robert Smith. That's what heartbreak really sounds. Dude, I'm like. I'm telling you, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, people don't understand. It's so weird how you can listen to stuff like, look, I'm not going to lie. I can listen, I can watch a chick flick and, and just definitely I can tear up over sure. some small. I'm sure. not going to lie. But of course, but there's some stuff like I don't know if I can relate that to music, really, but I can I can hear some some like teeny bop stuff that has a line in it. I'm like, yeah, that's a pretty cool melody. That's a pretty cool hook. But there's nothing that really brings that type of i'm not gonna say i cry over so i might have in the past but um it's it's uh there's definitely something about for example disintegration that that'll make you sit there and and just reflect it's so deep and and and, and honestly like after listening to that album probably you know a thousand times i've yeah. i have been a, i've become a better person over listening to, I, I know this this this, this conversation has been a lot about the cure but we are doing a cover cure cover album but uh, <laughs> right big on. fan. So yeah, that, that that's definitely changed my life. Yeah, I know. I think that's why I never want to meet him because <laughs> it's like, it's become this thing in my head that I wouldn't, I just, I, I couldn't, there would be nothing I could say to that man. <laughs> yeah, and how can you make top 40 hits that are uh, genuinely not really formula? Now I can see Friday I'm in Love, that, that was kind of there for sure but I don't think yeah. he probably went into it that way just like heaven some of the catchiest like pop hook melodies uh that even the Roger O'Donnell doing the keyboard part was just sure. phenomenal like I, I know these guys don't go in there saying hey we're gonna write, write a top 40 hit but right. I think the emotion is so genuine that it, it just gets there yeah. anyway I, it's it's not obscure to, to the you know so it, it, it's I, I, I don't know I can see it being there but I don't think they go into a thing. Now I think people like Taylor Swift or, you know, these top 20 artists, they, they definitely have a record label that says, these are the hooks. This is what sells. Sure, and this is how absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Then they have to be mindful of that. Right. The, the position that they're in, they have to, you either sell records or you don't have a career. <laughs> so, True. We, we don't have to worry about that. We can just write whatever we want. We don't have to worry about, not having a career afterwards. I love <laughs> you that. You know what I mean? It's kind of uh, freeing, especially when you don't have a record label that's like pushing you on, you know, anymore, pushing you on stuff like that. But yeah, maybe one day we'll hear we'll hear the we'll hear the dirt on all that. But um... maybe. So what if what if what if Tay Tay wants to do a song with you though? Well, I don't have, but that's just it. I don't have anything against her. I, she does, she serves a purpose. She, she's as true to herself as we are to ourselves. Yeah. It's just not my taste. Like that's, if I want to feel sad about something, I'm not going to listen to Taylor Swift. Like it, it is, it's, it's just, it, it is like, I mean, no, and I literally mean no disrespect by that. It's just not, 
It's like the difference between a McDonald's cheeseburger and Gordon Ramsay cooking you a cheeseburger. Like, it's just not the same. Yeah. I watch, I watch Hell's Kitchen all the time in case you wonder why I'm constantly making Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I think it was Michael Jackson approached Dr. Dre and he said he wanted to work on a song with them. And Dr. Dre said, I, I don't think so. I can't handle that much stress or something like that. Yeah. Um, really? That's true? I think I read it or I heard it somewhere. You know, so. it's strange. I, I can hear artists like that, like Michael Jackson. I'm not going to lie. Like I've, I, I'll go back and listen to certain things when people tell me like, this is a brilliant album. For example, it took me a while to, to get into Nirvana's Nevermind. Um, and, and going back and listening to it years later, I think it's a brilliant album. Um, but I, there was a time when I was building, I was building an, uh, an SQ system and a sound quality system in this car. I was wanting to compete. And somebody told me about this Michael Jackson album that's a brilliant production. I can't remember the album at the time. This is probably 10 years ago. And uh, I remember, uh, you know, after I got the, my system kind of dialed in and, and, uh, and ready for competition, I remember putting that album in and going, wow, this is brilliant. And, and it's weird because I'm not into Michael Jackson, but I do, I can find where people like that. You know, I can, I can right. see, I can see the brilliance in some of his stuff. Um, just like the Beatles. I was, I've never been a Beatles fan, but I can listen to Sgt. Peppers and go, wow, this is one of the most creative, like not most creative albums I've heard, but really creative album. Like there's some really pretty freaking things going on. Hey buddy. <laughs> but yeah, I, I can listen to certain artists and, and see where people like. Yeah, um, and, and that's that's how I feel about. It. Like, I'm not downgrading stuff just because it's not my thing. Yeah, it's just not my thing. Like, I yeah. I understand why it's other people's thing, you know. But that's yeah. again, that's why it really. It, I don't like it when people will ask me for an opinion on specific things because I'm like, what difference does it make what I think about it? One. Yeah. And two, my taste is so weird and weirdly subjective that it's so like arbitrary what I like versus what I don't like that it's like there's no rhyme or reason to it. So, I mean, I've heard songs by Taylor Swift that I thought that's a really nice song. Yeah. I mean, it's well crafted. She performed it well. The lyrics are nice. It just doesn't do anything doesn't, for me. You know? Totally. I get, yeah. But that doesn't mean it's not a good song yeah. but just not my uh cup of tea but yeah, it's, it's not, yeah it's not an emotional reference it's not right. something you'd go to, to yeah yeah if i want to wallow in self-pity i'm not going there <laughs> i'm going someplace <laughs> that'll I'm be a different self-pity exactly <laughs> yeah i don't know but then other people completely relate to that so i know and i fully accept the fact that i'm the weird one like i get it um yeah. i know that i'm the oddball so yeah do you like any cool like i say cool that's funny uh do you like any uh like indie rock or alternative music that that's that's up to date or do you do you, do you get any for example like the national i, I love that guy's vocals I love the national there there's they're like a to me yeah. one of the yeah for sure i mean the thing of it is is i'm so out of touch with everything um but yeah i think that's a great band um what's that other one white lies i think they're fantastic oh yeah for sure yeah I have so a, yeah I there's there's tons of really 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 great bands but 
my, you know, I'm so out of touch with everything. Again, it's like I have to accidentally stumble upon it. There's so you many. Know? But um, yeah, and see, and again, to me, that music is means more to me personally than like stuff that I'm supposed to like, probably. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Again, that's why like my opinion is so arbitrary because it's like stuff you think I like, I don't. And then stuff I think people think I wouldn't like. You know, like I, uh, uh, his name just slipped, uh, Shock G died. Humpty Hump, you know, Humpty Dance. Yeah, yeah. I just posted that song literally last week. Like a couple wow. days ago, I posted that song and then Today I found out he died and I'm like, see, I'd rather listen to that all day than Cocteau Twins. Like that's just, yeah. But that doesn't make, that doesn't make logical sense. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, it may, that doesn't like, you'd think well, like, the one the would mean more than the other, but it's just, that's just. Well, like, you know, they, so arbitrary. the heart wants what it wants. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Like I'd rather listen to like, Conway Twitty than Christian Death. Like that's and it's love Conway. And it's not a thing of yeah, I mean it's not a thing of one is bad and the other one's good. It's just arbitrary. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It makes I, no logical sense. I, I definitely see genius in Christian Death and I, I don't see genius in Conway Twitty, but we'll respectfully How disagree. Dare you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but see, that's just it. Like, I don't hold them at the same standard. It's weird. It's kind of like you said well, about chick flicks earlier. Like, I can watch a chick flick and, and enjoy it. I'm not going to hold that to the same standard as I would hold, like, a serious film. Yeah, you know what course. I mean? It's, it's kind of the same thing where sometimes you want to eat at McDonald's and sometimes you want to have Gordon Ramsay cook you something yeah. like it's the same yeah. sort of thing and I feel I feel like it for me in particular like life is so freaking heavy all the time that sometimes I just don't want to go that deep totally I get that yeah so so I'd rather you know watch Hell's Kitchen than some philosophical work. yeah like but there's a time and place for both so like i don't know i'm completely contradicting myself over and over but no no whole, i get that's that. kind of the whole point is that my taste is all over the place so don't ever rely on me for an opinion on anything because or my it's irrelevant <laughs> it's just irrelevant poor mike is that what you said? Yeah. poor mike for a variety of reasons <laughs> But it's it's good to like, you know, it's it's okay to have, it's it's okay to have those guilty pleasures or like the, just like stuff that's totally oh, I have no guilt over it. To, totally <laughs> off brand. It's totally like like, I before today I would never have thought I would not have said Tara Van Flower probably listens to Conway Twitty. Like it's just not something <laughs> I would have said. I like Conway. But it's, but you know what? If he does it, if he does some good stuff, then that's great. Because I mean, you know, I see nothing wrong with it. For me, it's an emotional thing, like an emotional attachment. Because I grew up, my parents listened to country music, southern gospel, bluegrass. So I grew up listening to all that 60s, 70s era, country and western, Loretta Lynn, yeah. Conway Twitty, William Nelson, you know, 
all that stuff. So to me, I hear that and it, it's comforting to me in a way that, like for instance, Nostalgia. yeah, my parents didn't listen to rock music. It was only country music. So like to this day, I'll hear a Led Zeppelin song on the radio. I'll be like, I've never heard this song before because we didn't listen to rock music. So like Beatles, I don't, I don't know anything about the Beatles. Like, I mean, really, it just wasn't part of my life. So I understand that there's a difference between Conway Twitty and the Beatles. Clearly one of them is more artistic genius than the other, but I don't have an emotional attachment to one. I have an emotional attachment to the other one. Yeah. So probably the same thing happens with people when they grow up listening to Taylor Swift or they, you know, Jonas Brothers or whatever. It's the emotional attachment that gets you to it. And like with disintegration, it hit me at the right time in my life yeah. and took me down a different path. If, if I would have connected with, I don't know, rock set or something and that's probably a bad <laughs> example but you know what I mean you, I could have gone down a completely different road who knows yeah. or like metal at the time I hated metal at the time but if I had connected with like Cinderella <laughs> who knows it just didn't happen it was Robert Smith which was definitely out of character for uh, rural Ohio that's pretty interesting growing up around all that and then love song connecting with you. Yeah, it made no sense. Yeah. I, I mean, it really didn't make any sense. My family was all into country music. My brother listened to metal. Um, all the kids at school were either listening to metal or um, that like, uh, what did they call it then? Like the baby, like hip hop, I guess. Whatever came before mainstream um, rap, I guess um that's what people listen to and then you know there was maybe five people in the school that listened to like Depeche Mode and the Smiths and the Cure you know but we were the rare oddballs for sure yeah. but who knows taste is definitely subjective and that's why I try not to get judgy towards people on their taste because you like what you like and you shouldn't have to uh, justify why you like it. You should just like what you like and people should just shut up about it. Right. Yep. You don't have to apologize for anything, for sure. Not at all, for sure. Like that's one thing that irritates me so bad about the internet. It's like, you can post, you know, I like uh, Taylor Swift and someone's gonna tell you why she sucks why this person's better and you should really oh if you like that you should really listen to this and you know let's let people like what they like and leave them alone about it like it's aggravating to me <laughs> yeah i agree it's it's weird it's like i don't know i listen to just like music all over the spectrum i remember when i when i listened to disintegration at the same time my brother had um, uh, Skinny Puppy. I think it was 12-inch anthology. And, um, and then we also had a Ned's Atomic Dustbin uh, tape, which was called Godfather. And even though, like, these two albums were totally different, I, I related to, it's strange, like, I, 
I grew up listening to, you know, I loved Skinny Puppy, but then I loved this post, I guess was post-rock at the time. I don't know, alternative. Um, that's been, that Godfather album was just brilliant to me. And then now I'm like, I love super dark stuff. And then I can mm-hmm. find myself really, really emotionally getting into a lot of indie rock stuff that's coming out. And I wouldn't say any of the uh, emo scene. I really didn't get into that, but there's a lot of like really cool, just straightforward rock, alternative rock. I still mm-hmm. enjoy, you know, um, right. anyway. Yeah. Like, I, you know, yeah, that's, again, it's so arbitrary because and there's no rhyme or reason to what you like versus what you don't like. Cause there's yeah. that band, that band Chevelle. I think they're great. I think their songs are really good, but I can't stand that kind of music, but I like yeah. their songs. So there's, it's so, it's so stupid. I don't What about Deftones? Yeah, they're great. Yeah. But like that whole, like, you know, the rock station, like the new rock station on yeah. the radio, 98% of what they play is just, yuck to me horrible yeah but then there's they'll play like that and you know chevelle or whoever and i'm like yeah, that's a good song so there's no if somebody says what kind of music do you like i'm like i don't know <laughs> i don't know i, like so I really don't so know yeah so much yeah if you looked at the music I listened to like over a month you'd think i was schizophrenic like exactly <laughs> exactly you, you wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't you wouldn't process it you, like somebody would look at it and say no something's wrong i don't understand yeah. <laughs> like I, the same you person. Know, I love completely raunchy gangster rap like there's no reason why i should like that like, like two live was, crew no not like two live crew but like <laughs> like the really hardcore like i again like real the heavy stuff yeah logically it makes no sense why i would relate to that completely different lifestyle and you know set yeah, references know. and everything but just i don't know we did a rap song did you we don't well, talk about that story <laughs> <laughs> okay no. so who rapped who we all did <laughs> let's change the subject because we will never bring that up again yeah i wouldn't dare but again like we were talking earlier about production and stuff like you listen to like a missy elliott or busta rhymes or like whatever you if you if you remove the vocal out of it and you just listen to the music it's so insanely put together like i think busta rhymes is genius yeah like it's so um the way they put their electronics together to me is no different than the way an industrial band does it. It's just, it's the same thing. It's just got a different vocal approach. It's so, to me, it's yeah. the same thing, more or less. I don't know. I don't know. Again, I don't know anything about anything. I know what I like, but I don't know how to describe it, basically. I think that's beautiful. You don't have to explain it. You don't have to describe it. I really it. don't. I, yeah, I don't. But it can be frustrating because, you know, people always want to share music with me. And I'm just like, I don't probably like it. And then I'm going to feel guilty <laughs> that I don't like it. You know what I mean? Like, I want to like it. I don't, I don't go into things going, I don't like this. 
but yeah. it's just such an arbitrary, weird, random taste that most stuff I don't connect to it, and then I feel bad that I don't connect to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind of a weird thing. Yeah, like people sharing music is like them sharing their heart. Like right. they're wearing the heart on their sleeve. They're like, hey, just just feel what I'm feeling right now. And you're like, look, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't feel your heart right now. Yeah. Or I don't, I don't understand your heart. You know, it's and like, it's, I want to, but I, it, it doesn't do to me what it does to you. And that's okay. But yeah. it makes me feel bad. I used to get offended when I was young, when I would find good For artists sure. and I would share them and people would be like, man, this is, what kind of horse shit is this? Let's put on this band. I'm like, <laughs> and they put on like DJ Kiyoki, which had his place at the time. But I'm like, what, dude, this is like, you know, like you said earlier, it's not like this is music versus this is not music. But at the time, I was like, this is real music and this is not real right. music. So, yeah, I, don't know. I think I think when you're younger, because you I, like everybody is so hell bent on this identity that they create. Yeah. And so anything that doesn't fit in this box, like I can't like that. And then the older you get, you realize like none of that crap matters at all. You can just try it doesn't matter. Just look how you look, like what you like, be cool to everybody else and let them like what they like and move on with your life. Like, don't yeah. be a dick, basically. <laughs> basically, right. just don't be a dick. But I don't know. That's the philosophy to live by. Don't be a dick. 100%. Yeah, I feel the same <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah. And so I feel like I am being a dick when somebody wants me to like what their music is and I don't so I don't like it I don't like hmm. being a bummer buzzkill to somebody plus it takes an emotion it takes effort to just explore something new it's like every new experience you have yeah it forms a it forms a new neural pathway in your brain and like to build up a new habit you have to do it like seven times or something you have to get that neural pathway like solid to where your brain is comfortable with it and somebody gives you music and maybe you really would like it on paper because it fits like what else you like, but it's mm -hmm. like that neural pathway is not there yet. You don't have that familiarity with it. So, and yeah. you didn't discover it. So it's like, it's that other, and I gotta, I gotta do like a homework assignment and yeah, maybe I'll like it, but it's, you know, it's. And plus too, it's like these days are so full of other stuff that they have to do that even like, you know, maybe that song's only three minutes long, but that's three minutes that I could have been like doing this work email or editing this book or talking to my kid or, you know what I mean? So even if somebody's only sending you like one song, that's still at least generally speaking, at least three minutes of your day yeah. and then they want a response to it like they want you to write something back about it <laughs> and if you don't like it then you're like uh <laughs> so I, I just and but then i feel guilty about that josh does it all the time <laughs> i share stuff with him all the time he don't answer me I I, no, I I do I do an experiment with these guys. I'll sit I'll I'll hit them up on like a Friday morning. I'll say, okay, guys, name one album, any style, any band. I'll listen to every song, start to finish. I won't skip it. I won't fast forward. I'll listen to literally every song, and I'll give you feedback for every song of what I think. Just because it's like a it's like in mind exercise, and so the first one mm -hmm. to suggest one, I'll listen to it, and then I'll give them comments like as I'm listening to it okay the guitarist makes a little too loud here but it sounds good or I like this what he's going for here and 
So I do try to actively explore other stuff like that. He does do that. I think that's pretty cool, by the way. Yeah, that to me would be exhausting. It but is. I don't it's like, like I don't like do I don't like reviewing things. I don't like that's just not I just don't like doing that. You know, I but, think it's equally exhausting sitting in a car having somebody play or control the radio that doesn't listen to the kind of music I like. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, dude, this is gonna be a long ride or this is gonna be <laughs> uh, I actually prefer talk radio because for that very reason. Like That's music, even good music gets on my nerves sometimes. And I just want to, I think because when you do music all the time, like you kind of sometimes just don't want to hear music anymore. Yeah. I think Kraftwerk said in an interview a long time ago, back in the eighties that they like, they didn't want to make music anymore. They just wanted to like sit and hear nature. And that was the music that they wanted to hear. Like I what they did. That. Yeah, I can get, the, you know, and like whenever, you know, I hardly really actually don't listen to music very often. I don't get to do this anymore at work because I am teaching people seven hours of the day. But before I was teaching people seven hours of the day, I would just turn on YouTube drama videos, like stupid crap that means nothing to anybody and just have it going because it's just, again, it's kind of like unplugging from reality is so far removed from, from who I am as a human being that it's like yeah. not stressful to me. Whereas if I'm listening to something deep, sometimes it just gets too like, you got to sometimes just like turn the power button off or whatever and listen to something that's completely out of left field or something. Like, well, like it so, says, the YouTube rabbit hole of like conspiracy theories and you know oh, the oh this is a good one if you ever get <laughs> on this so there's all these conspiracy theory um, things on YouTube of like the Illuminati and like people who are controlled by MK Ultra and they'll have these videos as like proof like Nicki Minaj rolls her eyes at this point and that was when her handler snapped their finger like this whole thing and I used to get down those rabbit holes. I mean, not that I believe any of it at all, but it's like this it's interesting. creepy, it's, it's super fascinating. So like, uh, I'm more prone to do stuff like that or like um, random, just weird stuff like that than actually sit and listen to music because I think it just gets too much. I don't know. I'm with it's you. Hey, cleansing. Yeah. <laughs> Did you That's ever why when that? you said that thing about the grays, I was like, what? What is this one? I don't know this one. <laughs> Let's go into something else. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever see that Britney Spears interview uh, that's kind of linked to MK Ultra where she just totally loses herself and goes blank? Yeah. And then she yeah. like comes back in, oh, I don't know what happened. It's yeah. So there's weird. there's like, her. There's also one with Cardi B where she's on the red carpet and she like does the same thing, like completely just stops Lose. what she's doing but yeah, yeah. I, I freaking love that crap that or like, like um cults i love anything about cults like scientology um any of that kind of stuff yeah i don't know i just find a lot, there's a lot of mystery there. there right yeah yeah it's very fascinating i love that kind of stuff i started watching that epstein um thing on netflix the other day and that made me feel so dirty. I had to turn it off. Just the, the gall 
of these people just unbelievable and then to sit there and think the people that are also involved in it that are being covered up yeah I had to, I had to turn it off I was just like it felt dirty even knowing about it you know wow that's, yeah. this conversation took a strange turn <laughs> Yeah, I think that stuff goes probably deeper than we want to know. Uh, exactly. And, and I mean, I do want to know because I want all these people to pay for it. But yeah, I think we would be shocked if we found out all the people that are involved in this stuff. A hundred percent. Yeah. And you, you know what I think is what I, what I think is equally disturbing is that you probably do have some like rings of people that do stuff like that with children but at the same sure. time any town that you live in there's going to be some percentage of the kids in that town that are getting that stuff happening to them by their relatives and, absolutely that's, that's the you thing know, that sucks about it because it does obviously really happen and it really does go on yeah. on mass scale and that's so fucking disturbing there's a documentary i saw it it, it was uh a documentary that happened it, all this happened in the 80s and uh this this uh governor he basically ran or owned a boys home and um and, and he was basically whoring out the kids at this boys home to high officials and some of these officials had to pay they went down but but they say that they you know the conspiracy is a lot of these had to go down so they could save face for the higher uh, mm. in place so um i don't know it's, it was about a two-hour documentary uh I think it's called something boys home you can still find it on youtube it's it's still there I, I look for it it's crazy but this was happening in the 80s sure i mean it's been happening probably since human beings existed sure. but yeah i just feel like it, it that's what's so irritating about the whole view anon thing because they'll take something that's legit a problem and then turn it into this bizarre thing that's completely based on made up shit and so it discredits even the part of it that was true you know yeah. what i mean like clearly there's sex rings obviously yeah but you know donald trump didn't become president to put a stop to it like that's just yeah this has been going on for a long time bizarre i don't know my favorite conspiracy and i spent months of my life sort of watching a bunch of videos about this my favorite conspiracy theory is flat earth and it, i mean to me it just beats all of them and <laughs> it's crazy because I, I well i was just curious because people always make fun of it like yeah people think the earth is flat they're stupid and i was thinking what is that what's really all what is flat earth theory even about like what is it about that that makes people uh, latch on to that and really like it so it is a rabbit hole because you you really start digging in one thing is it's it seems like a fun it's kind of a fun conspiracy theory i mean no one's yeah. getting hurt no one's getting hurt from you thinking the world is flat i mean right. it's but it's like <laughs> but like the theories that they come up with to explain like phenomenon you know it's there are a lot of questions like that flat earthers have that like I couldn't answer or I'm like I couldn't tell you to answer that and I don't think somebody could though 
Like there's yeah, somebody that knows the answer. I don't think they're at the splat. I'm just saying it's a fascinating conspiracy theory to to start digging into. Like it, it is. I've done some I've done some hours of research in that as well. Just just time wasted, you know, just looking sure. into shit. And this is when I was looking at 9-11 stuff, you know, way years ago. And then it linked me to some platter stuff. And I was like, well, this stuff is actually pretty interesting, you know. Anyway, it but yeah, that's that's a rabbit hole that I don't care to go into. And that's a, you know, I already have too many rabbit holes invested right now. It's just <laughs> it's crazy to get yeah. into QAnon on stuff. And it's it's one of those things where it's such a it's such a ludicrous concept that the earth is flat, but the questions like that they raise are actually very thought-provoking. You're like, wow, you know what? I mean, I don't think you're flat, but you have a good question there. Like, yeah. you know, it's it's just fascinating to look into. So I it feel, is for sure. I, I feel like whatever questions they have though, there's already someone that knows the answer. They just haven't looked in the right like somebody knows that answer. You know what I mean? Like there's a scientist somewhere that already has answered that question. It's you're possible, just not but, looking at but, it. But you also had, this is pretty interesting. I think this is pretty much proved fact now. Uh, well, I say this because there's a lot of scientists that have come out on this uh, talking about the first food landing and, and the actual, uh, the, the, the equipment that was used or the space shuttle or whatever was used to, to walk or to land on the moon. And now this thing was made out of like tin foil and it was just, you know, for the time it looked really, you know, advanced, but going back and look at some of the footage there's some documentaries that, that lay it out to a point where you're like, and there's scientists that are actually on these documentaries that lay it out and tell you the angle of the film, uh, the angle of the, you know, the, the shape of the earth as you're looking out, as they're looking out the window on, it's like one scene, they're looking out the window, looking out the earth. And it's just, it's powerful, just their view on it. Now I'm not saying we never went to the moon, but the first moon landing is pretty interesting in the way they lay it out on how we were, it was all the race to beat, like, was it Russia or Germany on, on how, it was all about a race, who was gonna get there first? And, the, mm -hmm. and America wanted to be the first one. So there's a lot of uh, interesting information on how we, we faked it to be the first ones. It, it's, it's, I don't know, I, again, I'm not a total believer in it, but just like Josh was saying, like with the earth being flat, it's pretty interesting when somebody says they can take a laser at the shore and people say, oh, you know, the, the earth is round, by the way, you know, a boat or a ship disappears in the horizon, you know, you know, it's going over a, a plateau. But if you, if you're another person is on the other end shooting a laser or graphing it across the ocean, uh, it never loses grade, which is pretty interesting. That's an interesting argument. Um, yeah. And there's a scientific explanation, I'm sure, for all of it, but it's just fascinating to think about. I mean, yeah, yeah. It is fascinating. Um, but again, I would say that, you know, it just like we had doctors saying that masks were not, you shouldn't wear masks. You can find people to back bad science. You know what I yeah. mean? Or or weird conspiracy theories, they, you know, uh, as, as the saying goes, whoever's funding the experiment's gonna get the result that they wanna get. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, well, it, it could, you know, who knows? It, it could be like, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the I Ching or not, the ancient Chinese text, but mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not, I can't say I've read all of it, but the concept as far as I understand it is that you take a bunch of sticks or some coins and you toss them on the ground 
And based on the what they the pattern they form, you pick parts of the I Ching and you read it, mm-hmm. and then you you analyze that. And you say, how does this apply to my life? So you took right. you take this one part of the I Ching, and it's like the mountains are going to be blue at seven o'clock tomorrow morning, and you should probably pack an extra jacket or something. And I think you know this has to do with this thing that's going on at work, and so there's no real connection, but it's uh, it's given me a you little bit of make a, a connection. Yeah. It's given me a little bit of a lens and a filter to just analyze my life using some specific filter or some idea. So like sure. some of these some of these things are absurd, but you can sort of, you know, acknowledge that even false knowledge can still give you wisdom in a way like that's fake. That's stupid. But I can think about that, too, at the same time. Like it's like a like, you know, one of those weird things like I can still turn it over in my brain. Think about why it is that I think it's so terrible or what doesn't sure. make sense about it's it. It's fascinating. I love that stuff. I think the thing that's scary though is when somebody doesn't put the thought into it and just blindly believes what they're being told without any like cognizant dissonance about it. Like you're you're not putting any okay, okay, so the laser doesn't change, but why is that? There's probably a scientific theory for why that does that. And they're just going, well, that's proof right there. That's proof without doing any of the further thought process behind it. You know what I mean? Like, that's how you end up with a bunch of QAnon people believe in outlandish crap because they're like not stopping to go, well, that doesn't make sense because X, Y, Z. They're just going, oh, well, they force it to make sense. You know, like every time some preacher makes a prediction that the earth is ending on May 26th or whatever, and then it doesn't happen instead of his followers going, well, clearly this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. They make up an excuse for why it didn't work. And then right. that's what yeah. the danger in that, that's what the danger in that is like to, to view it as an interesting thing and like, okay, well, what if, what if it, what if it is, this is true. Maybe it is true, but then don't put any of the thought into like, you have to question it too. You can't just go, okay, well, they said that happened, so I guess that's what happened, you know? Yeah. But I oh. love all this stuff, so <laughs> I too. love all I mean, of it. <laughs> stuff like that, those rabbit holes on YouTube are just fun to just dive into, and, like, for you sure. can turn, turn your brain off for a little bit and just sort of, yeah, like, you know, so, some of that stuff, my opinion is that some people take that stuff seriously because it's sort of like this gut feeling like it's got to be somebody or somebody, something's fault that my life isn't going the way it should be. And it's probably, sure. probably the X, Y, Z, it's, it's them. It's, if it weren't it's for probably them, lizard people. if it weren't for them, I could do, I could achieve my dreams and they're holding me yeah. back. And it's yeah, the, that's, that's, to, that's so true. That's yeah, I'm sure. Because they have to have an excuse for like, well, why is the world so fucked up? There has to be a reason for it. It can't just be that things are fucked up. Like, it can't be some mundane thing that people are just greedy. It has to be like this, you know, secret society of elite people controlling. Like, no, it's just a bunch of dudes that want to make a lot of money and fuck a lot of people. And (laughs) they don't care who they hurt. Like, that's... <laughs> that's really the theory. <laughs> that's really what's going on. You know what I mean? But it's more oh. fun to believe in lizard people and um, flat earth and this mass, mass like conspiracy theory that 
hundreds of thousands of people would have to be involved in and not one of them tells the truth about it because that's yeah logical I will, I will tell you i will tell you the one reason that i don't believe the earth is flat and because i i haven't been out far enough to actually verify with my own eyes that the earth is round i i still think the earth is round but the only reason that i don't believe the earth is flat because if I look around it looks flat to me just from what I can see if I were a caveman I would think the earth was flat the only reason I don't think it's flat is because for that conspiracy to be kept it would it would mean every government and every scientist in the world was just lying about it and I right that's oh he froze Josh <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, he was getting to the truth about something and they, Bill Gates just shut his ass down. I know, he said, dude, you're not going to share this information. Oh my God, that's hilarious, dude. I wonder if his phone died. <laughs> He's back now. Oh. You totally froze up. We were just joking that you were just getting to the truth and something and Bill Gates just shut your ass down. <laughs> yeah, it's, sorry, it's, it's the, their AI. They know when you're speaking the truth and they... they... <laughs> True. It's true. No, but you're exactly right. And that's, see, that's the same thing that I was like with all of these people thinking cor coronavirus is like this hoax and the vaccine is like this. Bill Gates is injecting us all with microchips. It's like, do you not understand the millions of people that would have to be involved in that to pull that off and not want, like, they're just going along with it. Like, nobody's going to call, like, bullshit on it or, like, it's so silly to me. So that's, well, there, there's yeah. A there's a competing conspiracy theory on the coronavirus that is, I've actually seen backed up in reputable news articles that it, it has signs that it looks like it was bioengineered to be a deadly virus in a lab and then released. Like, it, it, we don't know that, we'll never be able to prove it, but it has trademarks of like a bioengineered virus according to people who know what they're talking about. And that would be the exact opposite of like, it's just the flu, people are trying to make us scared or something that that would be a different conspiracy where it's like, the normal flu, it mutates, but it doesn't get deadlier because a virus can't get if a virus gets too deadly, it'll kill off people and then it won't survive anymore. So viruses mutate to be less just yeah. bad enough, but they can't they don't want to kill you. But the Coronavirus mutates to get actually deadlier, like as it mutates and Supposedly, that's a sign of like a bioengineered virus and not just a natural virus that just came about somewhere. So I'm not saying I believe that or that I don't believe that, but it's a complete opposite conspiracy theory of the idea that it's it's like a fake thing that they're just trying to get people to hide in their houses so that they can plant the chips in or whatever. Like, And I think there may be even people that hold both of those conspiracies, but like Right. To me, I've at least seen news articles that say, you know, it looks like a bioengineered virus. We're not going to say for sure that it was, but it, it sure darn sure has like, it smells like a duck and walks like a duck. We don't know. We can't prove that it is. So yeah, I, but I, I mean, that was an interesting one. And I distrust people enough to think I could see why people would want to kill off a bunch of people. Like, that's not hard to imagine. Well, I mean, you can see the you Hong Kong protests were getting very out of hand and very you know i'm not saying that any government specifically did it i don't know i'm just saying theoretically you could if you saw an uprising of a lot of people 
maybe a targeted virus release might be, you know, you have the capability, we have the labs, you could make it. You're like, I, I'm just saying human nature, especially in mm-hmm. like, you know, people could do stuff, but then again, it's really bad to start even, I think it's bad to even start thinking stuff like that unless you're really fairly sure about it. So, you know. Plus two, really, what difference does it make? Yeah. Honestly, whether it was bioengineered or it's natural, really, what difference does it make? There's nothing you or I could do about it except for just to stay, try to stay alive. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, at the at the end of the day, that's true. Yeah, we just have to defend ourselves. But right. I mean, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that some government somewhere would decide they wanted to kill off a bunch of people. That's not shocking. You know, yeah. we've been doing it for a long time in other ways. So it's not, it's I mean, not illogical to think that that could happen. Or, you know, it could have been like in a lab and it was in, not intended to be leaked out or anything, but sure. people develop, they develop bio weapons. I mean, that's something sure. that people do. And right. it's conceivable that somebody may have made an error and had a little bit of it on their shirt sleeve when they left for the day or something. You never know. So. Who knows? We won't know. And, you know, again, it's one of those kind of things like, well, whether it is or not really doesn't impact us. <laughs> I mean, other than trying to stay alive, but you know, and same thing kind of with the flat earth thing. Okay. So the earth's flat. So. Yeah. That's why I'd be that. <laughs> Who cares? Because like, if this guy thinks the earth is flat, it doesn't really affect me in any way if he believes that i mean it's you're not going to suddenly not like you know you know no knowing that the earth is flat it's not going to change how you go about your daily life right yep that's true nothing will change yeah i think your immediate action would be just you know learning to like for example we live in a neighborhood where barely any of the neighbors talk Mm -hmm. you know i think it's got to a point where we're so separated and divided that we don't even take the time to just look next to us. We think about mm-hmm. the big picture, like what's going on here? How can we, do, but nobody's really doing anything to correct the big picture when the small mm-hmm. picture is looking next to you and do, doing what you can in, yeah. in your immediate area and, and talking to people, bonding with people. Um, that, that is your, really, that's, that's the fastest and easiest way you can make a contribution to, to society. True. That's true. I mean, yeah, it's, we need to all care about all of everybody, you know, but like, how can you expect people to care about somebody on the other side of the planet when they don't even care about their neighbor? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe it takes you putting that one foot forward first, you know, some people are kind of timid that way, you know, where it's like, well, I want to talk to my neighbor, but I don't know. You know, but once you talk, once you break the ice, it's like, well, okay, then right, all of a sudden, right. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't have the answers, but yeah, know. who knows? I know, I know. Right now, <laughs> turning on the TV, it gets really, it, it, it's really not adding to to anything positive in my life, anyway. Right. Um, so I, I try to the best I can. I want to keep up with what's going on. Don't get me wrong, but it, it, it's hard to. It's really hard because it's pretty soul crushing. It is. <laughs> it really is yeah i mean especially right before the election like things it was just so non-stop arguing and 
once the election was over, I like unfollowed like anything that was political. I'm just like, I just can't with this anymore. You know, just yeah. uh, you have to at some point go, okay, I care on a, on a, in, in a way that I'm going to vote and I'm going to be nice to my neighbors and I'm going to do what I can for charity and this and that and the other. But I don't need to know every single detail that so and so did. Yeah on the Senate floor today. And I don't need to see the, you know, the commentary on it and know all the ins and outs of it and stuff. It's like, just know who to vote for, who not to vote for, for your particular beliefs and be nice to people. Don't be a dick, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But yeah, it, get, it got so like, oh my God, did you see what he did today? And then you have to watch like everybody's uh, take on it. Like you watch this commentary about it and then that guy's commentary about it. And then it becomes this thing that's just like, you walk around pissed off and freaked out and upset and all, you know, all the time. And it's like, you get to a point where you're like, either I'm going to just be freaked out and angry all the time, or I'm just yeah. going to like, go listen to the Humpty dance. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, toxic. it's toxic because pe a lot of people just want to get do battle like for yeah right. stuff. And it, it's just toxic it doesn't it doesn't help anything so exactly uh, it's it doesn't it's, it really doesn't serve a purpose you know the only the only conspiracy i have in my head really is that i i, I feel like most government isn't out for our own good but i think the only way i combat that is to try to step away from the media and and focus on my family and focus on Mm -hmm. whatever I can do in my immediate position right. but uh you know it's it's not whether I believe 100% this way or the other right. I just know that it's not benefiting me in, in, in any way right right left or right right so. you just kind of have to I don't know yeah. you have to do what you what you feel is right for yourself and the people around you that's all I don't know gotta find inspiration that's where music lies. Yeah, which comes <laughs> full circle back to the <laughs> back to the music. Yeah. And escapism, pure escapism. Yeah, I think that's what I think that's why a lot of people love music and art and reading and TV because it is it's an escapist thing from all of the junk that you have to go through on a daily basis and yeah. Listen but to really, and really see I, and I think when it comes down to it, that's like there's there's a brutal like stripped down version of like what we really are dealing with and and, and it's not mm -hmm. I, I don't know how to I'm, I don't want to be selfish in the sense that I, I know there's other major things that are going in the, going on in the world um but I, I think you know just sitting down and listening to somebody if they have a problem or you know I've had a couple of friends commit suicide before that you know if, if these things were the world would just slow down enough. You can make the world slow down in a sense where you can make time. But time is so valuable. You feel like you got to chase it all the time. You feel like right. you got to knock this out. You got kids to take care of. You got to mm -hmm. make dinner, get food. You got to, you know, get to this recording or whatever the case, you know, but it's, it's really hard. Like I just left a 10 year career working on a drilling rig and I've been doing that for 10 years, two weeks on, two weeks off. And uh, I just left that career to start selling life insurance and, and I did that mainly to, to come home and be home with my family. And there's a yeah. good career in doing it, but, uh, but I can help people at the same time. I'm actually home with my family and I'm able to actually manage time a little better where I can visit family, visit with friends, 
And, um, but that's what I need in my life right now. I want to, I feel like I want to slow time down enough where I can see my family and have some mm-hmm. genuine conversation and not feeling like it's, I don't know. It's just hard. Time is so valuable. It's hard to find good it time. It is. And, and you try to cram so much stuff into such a short amount of time, you know, and something always has to give somewhere. And most, mm-hmm. most of the time it's things that are probably more valuable you know yeah because there's weight there's weight to valuable things you know it's mm-hmm. like do i really want to take this call right now i want to talk to them but i know it's going to be a heavy conversation or right. i know it's you know and you you just may, maybe got rid of, or got off of a, a long shift and you're already feeling a little bit weighted yourself mm-hmm. so yeah it's uh yeah or your kid wants to sit on the floor and play a game with you but you're like <laughs> yeah but i got like this album i have to get done you know right whatever yeah, yeah it's stressful there's a lot of guilt <laughs> there's a lot, a lot of, of guilt, guilt. involved with being you. a human being it's hard but... all right my lovely friends i think we've talked a long time we have all right. <laughs> like, how, how long have we been talking oh wow you guys are my longest guests wow hey right. number 20 is 20th right. anniversary right 12 o'clock <laughs> That's that's it's cool. It's been lovely hanging out with both of you. This was fun. Very much so. Do Thank you, you have any? Do you have anything else that you want to share? I, Josh, I think we've just covered just about everything. We'll look for your new album. We'll look for yeah. your new album when it comes out. Please sure. make sure to send me links to your projects when you log Pretty off well. of here, so that I can put them in the um, description in the YouTube link. And I will make sure I tag you guys. Thank you. Yeah, and please send uh, that song you said that that you you I guess you did here with uh I don't know if it was a dirge the dirge yeah. one yeah send, okay. send me some tracks to check out I, I've always liked Lycia but I've never dove into Lycia and I, and I feel like kind of a shithead saying that but no. uh, it was never it was, it was never in a sense that I never didn't like like you guys but no, no i feel no, bad no. because i wanted to talk more about lycia stuff but no no no, um, no. this is about I, this was about you guys anyways this show's not about me it's about whoever comes on it's your but forum I'm, you talk no, about I understand what you that. want to talk about but I, i'm gonna dive into some lycia stuff I, i've always i've heard lycia stuff and i've always liked it but like you said there's so much music that you're going there's through so much. Hard to, yeah it's <laughs> exhausting <laughs> there's just too yeah. much good music in the world but i'll definitely send you a couple things please all right we'll send uh-huh. you yes please do and i'll make sure that they're in the show notes or whatever like this is a show <laughs> <laughs> goofing off on youtube all right guys you guys have been fantastic and it was a pleasure meeting both of you and you. i will uh, actually listen to your music i really will all right. You Thank don't you. have to, but <laughs> I will though. Like I you need will, a, a pat right? on the back. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a pat on the back. <laughs> Even if it's Aww. fake. Oh, I don't. I'm not fake. I'm just kidding. All right, all right, guys. Oh, my headphone just fell off. It's like shut up, lady. All right, I'll talk to you guys later. It was lovely meeting you both. Oh, right, there she is. Oh, you. <laughs> Thank fine. you. Thank you for having them on tonight. Oh, you're so sweet. Of course. Have a good night. You too. I love you guys. Love you. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. (laughs) Bye. Bye.